Didn't I say, help me out with this one. Okay. Before we get into the meat of this here, we're, this is, we're going through the bread, the top layer of Wonder Bread. Sure. Just starting to touch mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. And Braun, Braunschweiger? Okay. I'm trying to put something weird on a sandwich. What's yeah, something weird to go on a pretty, sandwich? Pretty weird. Braunschweiger is pretty weird. Yeah, but it's um, Spam. Spam. Yeah. A spamwich. Yeah. A spamwich sandwich. Yeah. Which is tautological. Yes. Tautological is tautological. <laughs> the Argus Lanthimos. Yes. The beginning of the end. Why is it the beginning of the end? Well, we won't know. <laughs> Come on. You know my feelings about this. We won't know uh, for another uh, couple hours here, <laughs> depending on right. how long the ceremony is. Mm-hmm. The Oscars are going on right now. We won't yes. know uh, for sure that he's won Best Picture, although um, I feel like it seems strong. Yeah. And of the... So, okay. So, I think they'll split it. I think Yorgos will get the favorite because everybody just seems to agree that's fine. They're not going to give it to Black Panther. No, they're not. Um, although, what do we? What's what is a best picture? This is maybe another right. Actually, this is the Oscar night, so maybe this is the time to have this conversation. But, yeah. but I mean, successful, made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They wanted to add a whole new category just so they could praise it for the Black Panther. Yeah, and I mean, it'll probably win soundtrack. But then again, it's do. Here's the huge question of the night. Does the Oscars completely screw over A Star is Born? Because you've got a Ooh. best actor who really, I think that he will, I don't, I'm not really blown away by Bradley Cooper as an no. actor, writer, or director, right. but he's somebody who will definitely be back because of his, him, his ambition, if nothing else. Right. So do you get him out of the way now and honor him for acting, directing, and the music, or do you give it to uh, Coran, who is, has a big film himself, and I think is probably the you know the odds-on favorite for director, mm-hmm. favorite, which is the odds-on. Odd, odd on, this is. I'm so nervous. I'm so yeah. nervous about this. Yeah. I'm not nervous at all. About I don't care. The Oscars. Okay. I'm just tired. Um, the favorite, best picture, yes. and then Black Panther soundtrack because there's literally nothing else that it could win for with a straight face. Yeah, is, I mean, is it up for special effects at all? Like maybe it could win for that. It is not. Okay. All right. I don't know. I kind of feel like A Star is Born is going to win for soundtrack. I just, uh, th- that's kind of my gut feeling. Okay. That. So then it's uh, skunked. Yeah. I kind of feel like Black Panther is going to get skunked, which is too bad um, because it is a really good film. Um, but I kind of think A Star is Born, if it's going to win anything, it's going to win soundtrack or like best song or something like that. Um, so. And will it sound like this? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Yes, it will. So anyway, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, his next movie is going to be called Population 1280. What's it about? Um, gosh, I read the synopsis and I don't remember already, so that's really great. Um, isn't it kind of like sci-fi? It's a gritty, crime-heavy pulp. Oh, he's okay. going okay. genre. Yeah, yeah. So. You can't go genre. I, yeah, you I are guess. your own genre. I know. He, he's a genre so weird. of films where people talk about watch bands. Yes. For extended. Amounts of time. Yes. So what is it going to be now? I, uh, what's his next film going to be? You no, what's it? What's, what's it? Big crime drama. Hold it right there. Yeah. I'm going to shoot you with this gun. It is my favorite gun. It holds 13 <laughs> bullets and one in the chamber. I like your gun. Can I hold it? Not right now. I'm going to shoot you with it. <laughs> uh, I just, it's the, it's the start of the start of the finish. It doesn't sound great. Um, I really enjoy the films that he wrote and and directed. So I, you know, I am with you on that. Um, 
I hope this isn't him like selling out. Um, and uh, I, I just because you mean succeeding, <laughs> you mean well, having success. A success is fine. <laughs> I just you know I want I still want I maybe mean, I'm being selfish. I still want good movies from him, and I don't know if this is going to happen with us or not. Like, okay, well, God knows we don't have any crime movies, <laughs> gritty crime. movies. I know, right? Well, I mean, like, the what? I don't know. What do, what do they call a Royale with cheese? They call it a quarter pounder. <laughs> I know, right? It's the other way around because they're in, yes. in Europe. Yes. I mean, I think I liked The Favorite all right. It, I don't think it was my favorite of his films, though, ironically, because it's called The Favorite. Um, I just think that that's circumstance. I don't think that's ir- irony. Yeah, okay. He didn't okay. name it that, expecting it to be Megan on his favorite film. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's unfortunate is what it is. Yeah, I know. I think... I think maybe the lobster might be my favorite of his films. Do you have a favorite? Mm. Or is it hard to choose? Be easy to say dog tooth. Yeah. Just because it got the whole ball rolling. Right. And it might be sacred deer. Okay. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that's good too. I like the the. It's got some good kid actors in it. This is very true. Uh, which it doesn't always happen. No. Um, it's got Barry Keown. Kyohan. The weird B- Barry, kid. Barry K. The weird yeah. kid. The weird kid. <laughs> He's a spaghetti. Weird kids are taking over. Yeah, I know. Weird kids are, are the future. Um, Asa Butterfield, who plays the main kid in sex education. Yes. Like, he's 21. <laughs> okay. All right. So I was, because I was thinking like, this kid, you don't see it, or maybe you do a little unconsciously, but this kid is going to slay. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, I know he looks dorky, but yes. there's, he's six feet tall. He, there's a, he's got a refinement to him. Yes. In a few years, he's going to he's gonna do a Nick Holt. Sure. You know, he's going to yeah. go from bowl cut, shake your ass, to like <laughs> slaying it in uh, car commercials or whatever he does sure. now. Sure. Yeah. No. Look at his I... wife. <laughs> um, but uh, but he's already 21, so I'm not uh, sure how much more change he can go through. Maybe he'll just stop right here. But even if he stops right here. Right. He's, uh, I think he's doing okay. He's going places. Okay. Yeah. Are we? Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Let's try to. Uh, yeah. We're the Just Enough Trope Podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mika Nana. We're here. Yes, we're going to we do are. it. Yes. The idea that maybe was an a concept too far, but we're going through with it because now we need to. If you binge, you must purge. Uh, that is very true. And I almost that wish should that be on a bumper sticker. Wa- yeah, but I mean, it would be like a Blumhouse thing, right? Who I does the know. purge movies? I don't know who does the purge movies. Don't write that down. What seriously? No. Okay. It's horrible. I thought that was good. If you binge, you should purge. write down Asa Asa Butterfield slays. Write that down. <laughs> don't write that down. Uh, we discussed, and now we're doing it, uh, talking about this, there's this weird period in the Mm nineties where you think the comic book movie thing got started with like maybe Blade at the end of the nineties or Spawn like a year or two before, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, not true. No. Not true. And I'm not talking about Italian Spider-Man. I'm talking about that weird era post 1989, Tim Burton Batman, yeah. where suddenly everybody was trying to make a comic book movie. Yes. And because we watch so many movies, and because the subjects of these movies are comic characters that even I am not particularly familiar with, mm-hmm. rather than doing the usual thing, which is we do a full nosedive into Read the comics uh, Wikipedia, and yeah, and we really become experts, I thought, let's just take it as is at face value. Yes. So that being said, I'm not going to have my usual granular level of detail uh, to what we're, what's going on here. But I do know that 
the rights to Marvel characters were tied up in a lot of weird ways. Sure. So that not a lot could really happen. Marvel-wise. In the 90s. Sure. Yeah, right. And also, you know, the company is going through bankruptcy. Right. And they sold a lot of their properties off just to stay afloat. Right. And so that's why at the end of the 90s, you get Blade, which is a Marvel Studios picture, mm-hmm. you know, through New Line or whatever. So sure. that's like technically the first Marvel movie. That's very Which true. is why it's crazy. And if they don't add him into the next phase of whatever, come I know. on. I know, get right? Get old Blade in here, kill some vampires. I know. Get Wesley Snipes. Right. Seriously. And Warner Brothers had its own thing it was trying to work out, you know, see uh, Justice League TV pilot from 1996 or 7. Ooh, I kind of want to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, right. Was, uh, is hold that, that thought. Okay. Uh, so instead, uh, the studios turned to the pulps, the pulp heroes mm-hmm. of the 30s and 40s yes. and 50s, and some some of whom who have stuck around till today, because I'm assuming the licenses were cheap. Yes. And so we are going to look at, we, we watched a series of films, mm-hmm. uh, which all events those heroes yes. that come from an earlier time and... I don't know. Uh, whoever greenlit these thought that they would connect with audiences, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about whether that happened or not. The films are yes. Dick Tracy mm-hmm. from 1990, yes. The Rocketeer yeah. from 1991, The Shadow from 1994, uh-huh. and The Phantom from 1996. Yes. Those are the four that just mostly randomly, but yes. all sort of major releases. Yes. A um, couple years, 2010. Frank Miller made a spirit film. Yeah. Uh, which 2008. Oh, okay. Uh, which we could have watched, but um, we didn't because it sucks. And also, it's really a Sin City film. It's barely a spirit it, film. It is. And, and you had another great idea for one that we uh, didn't. Could have checked out, but we uh, didn't. I believe it's like uh, Dark Man. Is that oh, what it's yeah, called? Yeah. With Liam Neeson? Yeah. Uh, Dark Man is... Uh, is an original character, I believe. We talked about that in the, on, talking on the show. I think we probably did. It's yeah. an homage to the Universal Monsters sure. by Raimi. But right. It's, and it's a, like a pulp hero, but it's it was never a thing, though. Okay. Like the yeah. Rocketeer, but we'll talk about that. Right. Well, I hadn't, I had seen The Shadow before, but couldn't remember it, and I got it confused with Darkman. So that's what I was thinking in my mind. So, except. It was Alec Baldwin and not Liam Neeson. The shadow is, uh, you know, what evil lurks in the minds of men. Right. Shadow knows. And Darkman is, take the fucking elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's the difference between those. Um, Before we get started. Yes. Do you want to get out? Because I do. (laughs) No, like, did you come up with any insights from assault? Just, just. Just banging your mind silly with old characters with cocaine fueled mm-hmm. uh, adaptations. Well, like I think pretty much all of the characters, well, except for the Rocketeer, I don't think he had a gun at any point. He did. He did. I don't think he okay, shot never anybody. Mind. But he, had, he okay. had a gun. All right. So they all had guns, and like I, I think you know, you look at Marvel superheroes and DC superheroes. And almost none of them carry a gun. Batman had a gun. He did. His first. That seems year so. Year of his existence. That seemed like so like not Batman because that's what killed his parents. <laughs> Again, but... but it didn't kill his parents until they created that origin story. Oh, I see. Uh, you know, a year, eighteen months into the comic. I see. Because at, at see, because none of these none of, none of these characters were planned to be things that would last nearly a really years. long time. Yeah. They were just cash-ins. Right. And in some cases, they weren't even what they were. Like, the shadow was created 
at the behest of an advertising agency. Oh and we'll goodness. talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, so, you know, they just thought Paul Pirro has to have a kind of catchy name, have a distinctive look, mm-hmm. but they all do the exact same thing. They all fight Chinese scientists yes. who are trying to melt the city or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they brutally murder all the science's henchmen and then they kick the scientist off a wall and he falls to his death inside a fire or something right on a sinking ship yes it's like when we're the destroyer yeah that's like the destroyer he's like i'm a journalist and i'm gonna go find out what's happening in that world war ii right whoa the nazis locked me up oh you ratsies i'm gonna put on a pair of striped pants and then just punch you all off off of buildings yes yeah Yes. That was it. No, that, so these guys exactly are like, right. they'll take a life. They don't care. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. Um, the Museum of Natural History in New York is uh, present in two of the four films. <laughs> well, so. it's, but yeah, but that's something else because remember, this is like pre, it's not pre sci fi. Like sci fi, you know, arguably existed, existed. Right. But our ideas and tropes of sci fi weren't there. So this is about like adventure. This is about. We don't have Google Maps, so there are, could be hidden islands. You know, the entire right. world has not been charted. Right. And adventurers, like real life adventurers, like you know Stanley and things like that, like gave rise to novels like H. Ryder uh, Haggard's novels, um, uh, Burroughs, Tarzan, uh, sure. that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. so there's still jungles and mystery and appropriation to be done. Right. No, <laughs> that's very true. All white guys, white guys in fedoras. Yeah, I know. Taking it all home. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. Okay. We'll do some news too. All right, let's hit that news quick. We talked more uh, last week about how Battle Angel Alita, not yes. its right name, but who cares? Right. Uh, didn't do great, but mm-hmm. uh, it did okay. Right. Uh, made $41.7 million, mm-hmm. which is not good. The whole movie industry so far this year, not. Not good. Not it's a little great. behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of President's Day was um, was not that great. Okay. Uh, however, it launched in China. Yes. And I'm thinking about all the restrictions on China. Um, a guy, George Rockall Schmidt, has a YouTube channel that you should definitely check out. Okay. He did a very interesting video, interesting only to people like him and me probably, about the influence of the Chinese box office and how Chinese box office was about nine billion, I think, American last year, okay. which is only about three billion off of us. So, huh? They're huge, you know. Right. Screw Bollywood, like this. They're they're the thing right now. Right. And yet. All of their films still run through the Office of Cultural Normativity or whatever they call it, you know. Yeah, that, so you that can't is have g- 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 ghosts. You can't, right. you know, make fun of um, traditions. You can't have drugs or anything like that. So anyway, so, somehow, and I'm sure it was designed this way, Alita Battle Angel made it through fine. Right. I'd argue that somebody's brain inside a robot is kind of like a haunted robot, but right. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. Well, it made $62 million. Wow. It crushed the American total. Yeah, it did. So that gets us a lot closer to the possibility of a sequel, but still kind of far away. Yeah. Huh. Um, do you think it is possible for them to do a sequel with that? I think Cameron could probably pay for it himself yeah, if he wanted it that true. bad. He could just foot the bill. He could just um, work for free or something like that. They could... Um, a lot of times when you're developing technology, mm-hmm. it's more expensive. Once you've established you've del- it, it's it. cheap. Right. So now that they've got code hanger on your face, right? The, we've already written the huge eye program. Right. Um, maybe they could do it for cheaper, or maybe they could just scale it back. Right. 
I mean, do you think? I mean, they shot in like Brazil. <laughs> they already were trying to cut, you know, cut costs. Right. So, do you think maybe if he decided to wait on some Avatar films and like? Well, he won't wait. He won't. No. And okay. part of he's wanted to do Battle Angel Alita since the '90s. Oh, really? And the reason it exists now is because. He was developing Battle Angel and then f- just realized he wanted, like, this big eye thing has been in the works for a while. Like, he wanted sure. a CGI face, realized the technology didn't exist, began developing the technology. I see. And came up with the idea of Avatar. Cat People Planet. Yes. And so basically just started doing Avatar and huh. Alita went on hold. That's that's the story I've heard. Okay. That's so nothing's going to stop him from doing these avatar right. movies but if avatar 2 crushes which it's a possibility McWorld, anything yeah. can happen yeah um then yeah i mean he'll his ticket will be written again for the 14th time right. in hollywood and he'll right. get all the money he wants to do alita 2 okay well i kind of hope that happens i kind of want to see you call alita 2 oh boy this is this is why they did this right so now yeah. it's alita colon rollerball or whatever what is it called motor motorballer motorballer yeah that's kind of Tongue twisty though. Maybe well, you could go to the original uh, collections uh, of the comic, yeah. and they've all got like sub dark subtitles. Angel, sure. Chocolate loving angel. <laughs> Red angel. Wrong you show. showed me this really great meme the that other day. That was shown day. to me by a friend of mine. Yeah, about well, I should just plug uh, by uh, Jacob Gulliver, who runs the uh, Movie Machine podcast, of which I just appeared on uh, two episodes of. You can find it on Hot Chocolate Media. Uh, .net, I believe. Yes. And it's, it's like she loves oranges and she loves chocolate, right? So it was like three pictures of her face reacting to oranges and reacting to chocolate. And then it at the end, it's that um, chocolate orange, I forget what they're called, where you smash, you kind of like crush the It's the, the conf- chocolate. It's the chocolate. It's, yeah, it's a orange made of chocolate. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it breaks the section off and like her eyes were just like glowing. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it was like overreaction, like, you know, like her two favorite things together. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's Anyways, that was pretty great. That's the job. Yeah. It was pretty great. <laughs> so uh, fingers, cybernetic fingers crossed. No, um, chain whip. Uh, oh, razor gosh. sharp fingers crossed right. for Alita, um, because we're going to need somebody. We're going to need a strong female character now that Jessica Jones has been canceled by Netflix. I know, along with the Punisher. Yeah, it was only a matter of time. I love how they just got this. Is the band aid thing? Because I think we we talked about this. This is no great prognostication, no. but I was like, two weeks after the Punisher comes out, they're going to cancel. Yeah. yeah. I did know they were going to cancel Jessica Jones before her third season even comes out. Yeah, I know. Now, maybe they just thought, well, it'll be an emotional goodbye, but a lot of people probably just won't watch it now, right? This is this is the possible. ultimate loss cut. Yeah. This is just like, eh. So when is her third season coming out? Do I don't you know? care, and I don't know. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. Sorry I asked. You want to do another question? <laughs> um... I'm guessing there's not going to be another season of The Defenders because they're all canceled. <laughs> so. No. And uh, search um, Google a letter to Marvel Television fans from Jeff Loeb. It's an open okay. letter. I uh, hope that it's still up. It's on Marvel.com. And it's basically him just doing the fakest, you know, everything's fine. We're fine. How are you? The house is on fire. It's, it's, it's characterized as a well done, everyone. We did it. 
We can we can shut it down now. We we've wow. accomplished our mission. Okay. And it's not bitter at all, and it's not thanks for screwing us over Netflix, and it's not that, not that. It's all okay. Everything is great here. Okay. I'm hungry. I'm dirty. I'm losing my mind. Right. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so check that out. Okay. Well, how do we get that guy to retire? Jeff Loeb. Not great. No. He's not good at this. No. Um, is he? He's the Marvel TV guy, right? That's why he. Yeah, that's why he wrote that letter. Wrote that letter. Yeah. Um, did he mention in that letter all the great Marvel shows that are coming up on Disney Plus? Because he really should have, because that would have been a positive note to leave off of. I don't know. I didn't read it. Hey, okay. check this out. What? Remember the storyteller? Yes, the Jim Henson storyteller. How do you know that? I think I've watched like maybe a couple episodes. I think you made me watch a couple oh. episodes. <laughs> so the answer is me. That's how yeah, you know that. Uh, I, I, I think I was too young to actually watch it when it came out. All right, all right. Or either that or right, I, because enough. I don't have older siblings that didn't have that to pass down to me. Fine. But there was, there was a dog who is a puppet, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and William Hurt in scarily accurate old age makeup, considering uh, how he ended up looking. Uh, not er, <laughs> John Hurt, not William Hurt. Uh, John Hurt is the storyteller. Yes. And then his dog's like, oh, we're just going to tell him the story. It's like, what, this dog talks? I know, right? What? And then it was just the craziest. Yes. Because they would take real life fairy tales and yes. they wouldn't do i don't know if it was a rights issue or just being original they'd st steer away from like grim stuff but they'd have things that were as far as i know like actual fairy tales maybe they all were i don't know but some of them were really great like the the gambler who gets the sack that he, he that he puts death in or whatever sure you know what i mean like that's a that's a good one and then there's another one where there's the guy that turns into a swan or something i thought it was a lady <laughs> I don't know. I remember that one too. But that must them be one like, of the ones that I what saw. What is going on? I, I know. I know. The Muppet Show. Yes. Which was successful, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. and Sesame Street. Sesame Street, Muppet Show, Farscape. Fra Fraggle Rock. Don't forget Fraggle Rock. Not a success. You don't think so? No. Every other Henson show. It. What is? Did they just go for it too hard or something like that? Yes. Because storyteller that every uh, subsequent like reboot of the. Uh, the Muppet Show. Yeah. Um, all the Dark Crystal. Yeah. All abject failures. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I loved Frank anyway, Rock. including the storyteller. Okay. So sure. here we go again. <laughs> and yeah. apparently this time, uh, Neil Gaiman is on board to produce. Yeah. So that kind of theoretically to write as well. That kind of tells me it's going to be weird and dark. That's what I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe kind of kind of weird. I mean, he has a couple of short story collections. I, I'm assuming he's going to when he does write for this, it's going to be new stories. But I, I mean, he could pull from his own story collection as well, because um, they're just kind of weird and out there. Or he could but, just write something. Yeah, he can just he, write. Something. He writes so many things. He does. Yes. Somebody's got to stop him. <laughs> There's too much writing. Hey, here's something doesn't need writing. Hmm. Chris Hemsworth. Chris he Crips Hemsworth. Ooh. He's uh, got a certain kind of walk and <laughs> blue bandana, right? If I've got my oh no gang, yeah, semiotics right. Uh huh. Uh, he's going to play Hulk Hogan 
in a Hulk Hogan biopic directed by Hangover Todd Phillips guy. What? This is bizarre to me. This, this just, is real. Okay. I can't imagine him playing Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is like... An asshole. Yeah, he is. Do we, why do we want this at all? I don't know why we want this. I don't know if this is WWE films, but... Oh, I think it's probably... For, I think it's for Netflix. Oh, boy. Great. Yeah, Bradley Cooper and uh, Todd Phillips, who are all show... Are, all show I was... I was... <laughs> Anticipating what the word I was going to use, yes, with a sh- word uh, sound in it, which is douche. Uh, I'll show douchey <laughs> uh, pair, problematic pair. Yes, uh, Chris Hemsworth. First of all, get out of the gang life. You're gonna come on. You're gonna die. For I the know. love of God, stop it. <laughs> you don't have to do this. No, Netflix. Does is... he feel like he has to say yes to every project? I well, just... <laughs> like Men in Black. Yeah, I. I just don't. I mean. Look, if you got your start as young King Arthur on the Guinevere Adventures. Yeah, I know. And then moved up to EastEnders. No, yeah. to Neighbors. Yeah. EastEnders is, is is a British show. Okay. Uh, or ho- Home and Away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever soap opera. Water is. rats. I got gotcha. you. All oh, right. Okay. We're moving on. Uh, my knowledge of... <laughs> of Commonwealth soap operas remains yes. unchallenged. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Everybody is looking real uncomfortable, and unlike Samuel L. Jackson's character in The Spirit, have egg on their face. Oh, my God. Because of this whole, like, we saw the Men in Black International trailer, and it did not look very good, but also it's like, you have a special set of skills. Part of I know. finding and tracking down African Americans. Oh, stop it! To, yeah, and it's just like, well, I guess we're just gonna. At some point, you go. I don't. I don't know what to do. Yeah, we spent two hundred million dollars on this. Right. We don't. First of all, we don't have a soul. We have no souls. Right. But we know that you won't spend money on us if we look like we don't have souls, and so we do things like cut. You know, the scene with um, Olivia Munn and the guy who was a rapist or whatever from the predator right uh right but there's nothing he's all over this Liam film is, like he's yeah. the reptorian of this film right so you can't cut him out no not without delaying the film like reshooting and this film won't succeed like... at any other time other than summer or whenever it's coming out right no so, i agree with so you so there's like <laughs> we want to be woke but <laughs> we need money yeah yeah and it's it's a little it's a little sweaty um to say the least, but uh, I just, I know like the, his time at Marvel is probably coming to an end fairly soon, but that doesn't mean you have to do everything that is like uh, that your agent sh- shows you or suggests for you. I just don't, I, I can't picture him as Hulk Hogan. I just, I just can't. I, there's a wall there. And I also, like you said, I don't know why we want this, but. What you gonna do, <laughs> I, I can see him as Jacko. Who's Jacko? Don't worry about it. Okay. Crazy films, crazy heroes, yes. pulpy action. Yes. We're talking about pulp superheroes in film specifically from the 90s today on the show. 
was going off of what I was trying to get into before, and we got into something else, and that's fine, is yeah. that you were kind of pointing this out. Were you? I can't tell. Anyway, the point is, is that it's really characters like these characters who came out before Superman. Yes. Who came out before Batman. Mm-hmm. Before comics were more than just a, a piffle. Sure. The yellow kid. Right. Or Tammany Hall, like political cartoons. Right. Uh, they really began to establish the tropes of a superhero. You know, the shadow mm-hmm. had, uh, he had a girlfriend. He had a lair. Right. right. He had a network of sidekicks and individuals who helped him. Uh-huh. He had a distinctive look. Yes. He had um, He had the ring, you know. He had yes. The idea of these totems, the phantom has the, has a ring, has a skull Very true. ring. We see yes. a lot of these connections. They all have cabbies that work for them. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Until Batman's like, I got a plane. I know, right? Aren't you guys billionaires? Right. I'm a billionaire. Yeah. Millionaire. You can afford a plane. Yeah. And then Come he on. also has a Batmobile. Get it together, Cranston. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, right. But no, we got to have like a dumpy <laughs> cab guy to drive us around everywhere. I know, right? <laughs> Who we like pay in jewels or we saved his life. So then he like owes us his life. So. And part of this has to be, there's a, there's an Atlas shrug, shruggedly uh, kind of situation going on here. The, you know, you're nation is in the throes of depression and so they probably right. want to read about uh, somebody who's not touched by that you know they want to read about a, a playboy billionaire they want to read about a gatsby figure right who also is uh, at the same time going out at night and uh, unilaterally solving the crime problem right with the immigrants <laughs> i know <laughs> look I'll say this right now before we go on. Yeah. So many opportunities. Nazis notwithstanding, they have yes. no nation. They are merely evil. Right. So many opportunities to have such backwards like racial depictions in these films. Yes. And this is the 90s. People have crimped hair and they're starting to get woke, but yes. they're not there yet. Yeah. And it, like, for instance, here, here, if a gay person was in any of these films, it would not have worked out. No, it would no. have been a stereotype. Yes, but lots of uh, and other than just the rank appropriation that's happening in general from the white guy from Africa, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, uh, non-white actors in these films. Yes, all portrayed f- sensitively, mm-hmm. except for the unless you consider well, a Chinese guy must be a Chinese pirate from a long tradition of Chinese pirates, right? But there isn't any like. Oh, Miss a Phantom, you you know, there's none, none of that. Get the chop suey. There's none of that stuff. Right, right. Which is like unbelievable. It is. It, it, there's a thing, you know, there's a thing uh, on the Bechdel ta- a Test podcast. There's a yes. thing where there, a movie will be awful and they hate it and it doesn't even, it doesn't have a good like message for women. Right. But for some reason, you get into whole scenes where women are just talking to each other about whatever and they're like, oh, this one passes. Yeah, I don't I'm pass mad this one, that this passes. passes. Yeah, sure. And I gotta say, I gotta pass all four of these films. Yeah. They all yeah. do pretty good. I know. And they're all specifically about the pre-war period where yes. we were worried about foreign invaders <laughs> from all kinds of areas. Yeah, that's very true. And yet they're all fine. Yeah. Weird. It is weird. That's gonna be the end of the compliments <laughs> as we go forward. Okay. <laughs> Uh, just you know off the top of my head Uh, so just beginning here just starting this little thing off um, yes as you know 1989 yes Batman came out Mm -hmm. and I gotta hand it to the people behind Batman yes in knowing that 
committing to having a big screen, big budget adaptation of Batman. Because mm-hmm. before this, Batman was a joke. Sure. He was a TV show. Yes. And a movie that was kind of just like a long episode of the TV show. Uh-huh. Burgess Meredith, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and them going, I don't know what it is, some some genius DC producer, uh, who I probably know, but I'm not going to look it up. Uh, I smell something. <laughs> guano. Oh, no. I smell guano. The oh, time God. is right. Let's do this. Right. And I remember in the lead up to it, I do remember... People didn't know. People were, there was a huge blitz. You know, the marketing made that movie more than anything else did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, you know, it's not my favorite. I I like it. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. Okay, movie, huge marketing push, Prince, Jack Nicholson, the whole thing. And they had a huge smash on their hands. They expected it to be big and it was huge. Yes. And so naturally, everything is going to have to follow that. Be a superhero movie. Thanks. Batman, thanks a lot. Yeah. That's what we're going to call this show. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Batman. Thanks, Batman. And so that led to a bunch of things which were, you know, already, like Dick Tracy was already in process, but it got the green light, like, right away. Right. Um, but, and before we go on, too, we should talk about how the pulp characters were influenced a lot by um, literary characters. Um superheroes before there were comics sure um like robin hood sure yeah um tarzan like we said before uh-huh um you know john carter and things like that yes and a lot of the um these heroes who are kind of darker heroes you know the pulps are known for being pulpy is yes. an adjective for a reason yes and so there's a lot of like dracula in the shadow you know? oh sure yeah um which of course the shadow direct Bob Kane would just tell you right right away, or <laughs> Bill Finger would, uh, that the shadow just led to Batman. The Batman is shadow, basically. Sure, sure. Uh, we wouldn't have one without the other. Sure. So uh, yeah, just and these... that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But like, that that makes sense, and I can see the the trail for that DNA. Um, I I just uh, I have to say I don't enjoy the shadow as much as as Batman. Um, there's something about Batman, I guess maybe like the shadow, we don't really know about his past. Not really anyways. I mean, it's kind of dark. Remember a lot of these characters don't have pasts because they weren't designed with one. And I'm not talking about the IDW comic adaptation where they tie it in to he went to college with Doc Savage or something like that. Right. I'm just talking about like the character as conceived. Like somebody like Batman, like we said before, envisioned as a pulp hero, no backstory. And then the burgeoning field of comics is coming up. People are reading it. People write in. Well, how did he get the powers? Or where did he, what happened? Why is he a bat? And they go, well, all right, we got to come up we with gotta something. We got to come up with something, yeah. And then also the character has been in heavy, consistent rotation for 80 years. Yes. So he's got a mythology. A lot of these characters were hot for a while. Yes. Then came off the back burner. And so I maybe in the 50s, Lee Falk really, really gave us a list of all 20 <laughs> phantoms up until right. Kit Walker. But yeah, a lot of these guys, they're just, their story is, you know, mysterious. Yeah. Man of mystery. Yeah. Right. Wait, wait, you want to know everything? Don't be a man of mystery. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying, I think that's one reason why Batman endures is that he he has a tragic past, even though he is a wealthy, like, 
billionaire and he's white and he has all the privilege you could ever ask for. That's why he's a success in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. In the 60s mm-hmm. or in the 50s, he's a success because he's a genius uh, inventor and yes. criminologist. Right. And he's going to Zurana to, you know, fight with the multicolored Batman there. And stuff. Right. And then when he hits the 60s, he's cool because he has weird adventures and uh, Crane sprays him with the fear gas and he's seeing trippy stuff. Right. You know? And then in the 80s, he's cool because he... Uh, just silently, wordlessly beats up guys, and he locks the KG beast, you know, in a sewer to die of starvation. Right. He's popular because he's adaptable. No, you're right. He's he's evolved over. And the these years. guys all disappeared because shooting people in the face wasn't cool anymore. Right. Let's talk about our first guy. Okay. Uh, we're talking about the movie Dick Tracy from 1990. Yes. Which is an Amblin? No, no. Excuse me. It is a, of course, a um, Touchstone uh, picture, which is. Disney, basically. Buena Vista yes. Pictures. It's their quote-unquote adult line. Yeah. It's pretty dark for Disney, yeah. know, I'd say. Uh, of course, Dick Tracy is uh, a character that was created by Chester Gold in 1931, and he would continue to write and draw the strip uh, Dick Tracy for the rest, most of that decade. And, of course, it was taken up by other people. Waned in popularity, but always was known as... Dick Tracy protects Center City or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, Flat Top. Right. And the brow and big boy caprice. Right. And uh, prune face. Yes. You know, and a, a cavalcade of villains who are defined mainly by their weird facial features. I know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I got a question for you. Was it almost always like a strip in like the newspaper or was it ever like a full blown comic? I'm sure at some point it has become a full blown comic, but it okay. was mainly a newspaper strip. Okay. And then, of course, like a lot of the things at that time, became very popular, became a radio show, became a, sure. a series of films. Mm. Just assume okay. that for all of these characters going forward. Okay. But we're just kind of talking about these modern movies. Um, it's this, very colorful. <laughs> that was always a part of it, yes. Yeah. And uh, Tra- uh, Tracy, 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 I mean I'm... Beatty. <laughs> Beatty always wanted to do that. Okay, sure. He had optioned this or had been looking to make it since the early 80s basically okay sure like after i don't know i didn't i'm sure i could well, once again didn't research a whole lot but i'm sure that he's just always loved the character he should he was around to read it when he was a little kid right it's an old man <laughs> <laughs> warren Beatty is old but uh, yeah as soon as he came off of bonnie and clyde he's like dick tracy that's my next picture right and so it got shopped around for a long time and it was at i think universal for a while at one point they wanted walter hill to come on I don't know who that is. You just pretend like you do. Okay. You've seen the Warriors. Uh, Walter Hill. I I don't remember. All right. Anyway, she's kidding everybody. She knows who Walter <laughs> Hill is. And Walter Hill wanted to make it. Um, let's do. You know, I want to do a serious thing. This is going to be. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You can, guy can have a prune face or whatever, but this is going to be like violent. It's going to be like a, a crime film. Okay. Right. And like Beatty was like, no, stuff. no. I want day glow. I want you know four color, like a moving newspaper strip. Right. And so that one out. They were looking at. Clint Eastwood to be the title character for a while. Oh, wow. And uh, Spielberg was attached at one point, and it feels very Spielberg. It does. Uh, but yeah, eventually it just came down to Warren Beatty's like, well, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> what a fateful decision that was. Yeah. Who, I know. who knows what a good Dick Tracy film might have been like? Yeah, I know. We didn't get one here. No. What happens in the movie? Um, well, uh, Dick Tracy is a cop. Uh, He's he, a cop. Yeah. And he kind of has like some personal vendettas against 
some of these. A, he's a bad cop. Yeah, some of these. Both in terms of execution and like his morality. He's yeah, like, he is not a good cop. Against some of these these mob characters, uh, especially like Big Boy, he like is obsessed with getting Big Boy off the street. Right, um, which at the up to this point, and it is like a quote unquote kids movie, kind yes. of. We don't know the details of anything. We know that they run the rackets. Yes. And we see in a series of montages that many old news vendors have their 45 cents taken from them. Right. By Flat Top and the thugs. Right. But we don't know anything about Big Boy or what he does, what his business is. Right. And yeah, and as the movie opens, he's knocking off uh, Lips Manilis. Yes. Uh, to take his business because, and people are like make a joke like, so L- Lips Manilis owns this club. What, you want to be in show business? Apparently he, he does. He actually does. <laughs> he takes the performance of yeah. the songs very seriously. He does. Um, and I, I have to mention, of course, played by Al Pacino. Um, oh, this so. movie is a cavalcade of yes, stars. it is. There are stars that are evident, and then there are stars who are covered in a ton of makeup. Yes. So you're not even sure. But who yeah, they you've are. got, of course, Al Pacino. Yes. And somebody high five themselves when they cast Al Pacino as a crime boss. I know, right? And then somebody else high five themselves when they cast uh, James Caan as another crime boss. I know. <laughs> who they probably couldn't have shot him to death because uh, it's a PG 13 or what, RPG. Right. So uh, they blow him up instead. I know. You right? know, they thought about it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't make it to the toll booth, or you know, <laughs> something like that. We get it, we get it. Yes. Uh, and of course, um, uh, Dustin Hoffman is in it. Yes, he plays Mumbles. Um, yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Paul Servino plays uh, yes. Lips Manilis. Uh, Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin is in plays it. 88 Keys, the piano player. Yeah, he actually has like a role of some substance. Yes, he does. Uh, do, do you think he actually like- plays piano? Yeah, he sword fights with his left hand. He does everything. All right. Yeah, he's an asshole. Is he really? Well, that's what I hear. Oh, that's too bad. But it's that sort of in the same way that like Brent Spiner was an asshole. Yeah. He's just like I'm a professional and I take things seriously. And Uh it's like, yeah, but if you just cracked up with the cast in between takes, that'd probably be fine too. Yeah, right. Still believe you were an android. Right. Exactly. I'm making a lot of assumptions about (laughs) Brent Spiner. I'm sure he's real nice. But anyway, when you bring him a picture of. Darth Vader, he'll sign it. But I bet the first couple times that happened, he got real mad. Yeah. And then you realize that he couldn't make any money if he got mad at people. Right, so. right. Uh, yes. Uh, Kathy Bates is in it. Now, Kathy Bates yes. was still kind of up and coming, but she did win an Oscar in this year. Yeah. Playing opposite James Caan. Yes. In a movie called Misery. Yes. So her playing the stenographer who yes. has like one line. I know. A lot of very famous actors... We're in this for fun, I guess? I, I know, right? Just for fun? Yeah. And, of course, Madonna plays Breathless, so we got to mention that. What's the story? Uh, what, what happened? Um, <laughs> so Dick Tracy is a cop. He's trying to get Big Boy off the street. He's dating this girl named Tess. They find this kid who's called The Kid, and they're threatening to send him to the orphanage because he is an orphan living on the street. They end up taking care of him. Uh, and... Uh, he goes to arrest Big Boy that night. Dick Van Dyke is in this too. Oh yeah, Dick Van Dyke is in this too. He plays like the DA, (laughs) the crooked DA. Um, You're not out. You're out. When you're dead, you're out. You are not out. Um, So they arrest Big Boy on not really that much grounds. And like he said to, like at the crime scene with Lips Manalist, there were walnut shells. And he said... do fingerprints on those. Well, they didn't come up with anything, so then they couldn't keep them. Bad cop. Yeah. 
So Big Boy gets released and he, <laughs> you know, and he's just like, yeah, what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, people are like, Where, what are you going to do about Dick Tracy? And he's like, I'll take care of it, you know. Um, and the, the movie kind of progresses from there. Uh, there's Dick a couple Tracy of montages. A lot of illegal search and, and seizure. Yes. He conceals evidence. Yes. He, um, I mean, I think it's supposed to be established that he is acting professional, and yet he keep. Why doesn't he interview Breathless with someone else in the room? That's a very good question. It's always Madonna sticking her butt in his face. I know. And he's like not moving or acting at all. I know. And Warren Beatty's supposed to be a better actor than that, and yes. the script sucks. Uh, although it's by the guys that wrote Top Gun. I'm not saying Top Gun's great, but um, and it's just well, the, the answer is is that you know he was doing her. <laughs> it's yeah, very famously known that they were going out. Yeah, if you want to call it that. Back right. Then. But yeah, whatever. So yeah, and then he's a bad cop. Um, he all the crime guys are meeting because they big now that big boy has taken over the club. Yes. He proposes to them that they're going to organize yes. and they're going to be like Work together. a business, you know. Yes. And he's going to be the Napoleon of crime. Yes. And uh oh, not like the other one though. And um Tracy climbs up on a ledge, I guess so he can hear this. Yes. But he doesn't really hear much. And then James Congo is the one guy, and this happens in another one of these movies. This is another trope. Yes. I don't think so. I'm out. Right. Okay. Well, go ahead. His car explodes. Yes. Uh, and then everybody is like, Tracy, get out of there. And he gets no information. We don't right. know anything. There's no point in him going up there. Nope. He's a terrible cop. He is a terrible cop. And his <laughs> partners aren't that much better. In He's fact, really I think they're worse. Yeah, yeah, and his partners are complete imbeciles. Yes. Uh, and, like, um, does he even work with, like, the chief that much? I can't even remember now. Charles Durning is the chief. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, he's the chief that's there. Yeah, yeah. Give this kid a donut. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, he watches the kid sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Charlie Corismo as the kid. Okay. What do you mean, okay? I don't, I don't know who that is. Can't hardly wait. Who is he in Can't Hardly Wait? The redheaded kid in Can't Hardly Wait? Oh, okay. He's from here. Is he? He went to Breck. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, you're just disappointed. It's hard to do a, a this show with somebody so young sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. But not young enough. Hey. Gonna replace you with a younger one. Great. I don't want to hear that. He's literally from here. Okay. All right. It was a big deal back then. I believe you. A lot of interviews on WCCO. Uh, I, I believe that as well. He's a great actor. Yeah. And he was in a couple other things. Okay. Like Can't Hardly Wait, your favorite movie. <laughs> Never said it was my favorite Striped shirt, movie. red hair. Uh-huh. At the beginning, he's he's they're, they're talking about the plan. They've got to go into this party, right? Right. And he's like, okay, you're Boba Fett, you're Grand Moff Tarkin. And his friends are like... I don't want to be Grandma of Target. I want to be Boba Fett. Okay, you're fu- you're both kiss dolls. <laughs> Remember that? It's can't hardly wait. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. <sighs> Finish the plot. Okay. Um, I I think that's pretty much. <laughs> oh, it. now you want to sketch it? Yeah. Um. What about the part where a mysterious character with no face oh, approaches yeah. Big Boy through '88 and says, yes. "You want this trait? You can't kill Tracy because you're the number one suspect." Right. But you want this Tracy problem taken care of. I can, I can do help it for you. you. Yes. And eventually he has to, over the series, a, a series of montages, we find out that things aren't going well for the, the Caprice crime uh, dynasty. Right. And so he agrees to it. it. It's telling that the best 
storytelling takes place in, in those montages. <laughs> the, yeah. the story moves the fastest and the cleanest in those montages. I would agree Everything with else is just like, so you had a certain amount of times that we decided that she's breathless is going to stick her butt in Tracy's face. Right. And then eventually that's going to push Tess over the edge. Right. <laughs> I know. And like, I think you mentioned this too. Like, why is like breathless like the main love interest in this movie? It that's another trope that gets going to get repeated. Yeah. Is that one girl is not enough. Yeah, the, the, I know. Our hero has to turn the bad girl good. I know, right? It's so ridiculous. And like, he saves Tess at, towards the end of the movie and they hug. It's like the most chaste reunion ever. And like, she's been kidnapped well, her, and missing yeah. for like weeks. <laughs> I know. Did she like poop in a can? I know. And then like, <laughs> like what? what's a no face? Is that the name? Or the no, blank. The blank. I'm s- no face is Ghibli. Um, yeah. Uh, so the blank, they take the mask off and it's breathless. Surprise. Uh, and after she's been shot, they she kisses Dick Tracy. Again, this is their second kiss. And he goes and meets his girlfriend, Tess, right after this. And they just hug again. Yeah. It's bizarre to me. It's weird. You know what I think was bizarre? Huh. You've got a movie with a guy with a tiny little face. Yeah. Which did not work. I mean, how do you do it without I CG? I know. But it just doesn't. It just looks like he should be big head. I know, Big right? head, regular size face. Yeah. Uh, and a pruned face. And so apparently you can have all these like physical deformities. But a guy with no face, I mean, how, would he, how does he eat? But, right. Uh, that's... That's a mask. Except it up until the point that it's pulled off. It just made all the other prosthetics feel like these They're are just fake. a bunch of cosplaying criminals. Why do they all <laughs> wear these weird faces? Show your real face. Right. It's sort of like breaking the suspension of disbelief, you know. You've you've You're convinced right. me up to this point that a man can have no face in this world. Right. But then he pulls it off and and I'm you know, blind ambitions under there. Right, exactly. Let's talk about her. Um has she ever done a good job in a, in a movie? <laughs> um, don't give me that I desperately seeking Susan's underrated crap. Okay, I, I don't disagree, but... I don't know if I've ever seen her really, really shine in a film. I mean... You liked her in The Spy Who Shagged Me. I, I liked her in uh, A League of Their Own, but... A League of Their Own. But... Um, so the answer's no, then. Yeah, I think so. I say junk food cinema. I'll no. say A League of Their Own's bad. I don't care. Wow. <laughs> I like League of Their Own, but maybe I need to rewatch it with more critical eyes. Um, well, she's not good in this, and she's not I good. will lay that at the feet of the director and not her necessarily. Yes, I think that she's. We all know that performing musically is not the same as acting, mm-hmm. although they're very similar. Right. But many singers fail to transition to acting. Yes, I would and agree with that. I pr- think that she was absolutely not getting the support she needed to play this very thin character to be totally honest right but you think if there's anything that she could do she could vamp right and it's not really even pulling that off that being said you know the musical performances she shines in those those are the best parts Mm -hmm. like for her even though i don't think that and i was trying to think taylor dane (laughs) who else who else would have could have played this character at this time right probably just her yes uh with her kind of gene harlow sort of looks yes 
But her voice is, you know, it's a very 80s poppy kind of reedy voice and it's not right. a real torch singer voice. Right. So that only slightly takes away from, you know, the musical sequences, which were probably some of the best parts of the film. They were. Uh, written by Stephen Sondheim. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. And of course, a score. Music by Danny Elfman. Massaged within an inch of its life by yes. Danny Elfman. Yes. The uh, the shiatsu <laughs> technique <laughs> of writing a film score. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. You didn't have any complaints about Tommy guns in this? Uh, no, no. I a lot of Tommy have, guns in these movies. I've learned from you you're cu- that you're curate of your Tommy gun. Thing. Yeah, I thought only bad guys had Tommy guns, but apparently good guys have Tommy guns as well. I know that yeah, now. Half so. of half of Tracy's lines in this film are rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat. I know. I know. I love how they're. He's just punching guys in Technicolor trench coats. Yes. All movie. And then the very end, I know that they're being rushed at by a bunch of goons with Tommy guns in their cars, but the cops just go full. They just expend all remaining ammunition on these guys. (laughs) Do we have the evidence? (laughs) doesn't matter. You don't have to try a body. I know, right? Uh, It just seems super unethical. Well, there's like this one like scene where he's like backlit and he's in his yellow trench coat and his yellow fedora and he just has a Tommy gun and it's just going back and forth. And I swear I saw that in the trailer. Yeah, he's just walking towards the camera. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's singing um, Always Get My Man or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. Good so, stuff. Yeah. And um, this is the first time I've actually seen this film. So um, I missed out on seeing it when it came out. Um I don't know if I just wasn't old enough when it came out or what, but probably not. But somebody um, definitely ruined the surprise twist for me that the blank was Madonna. Um, yeah, because I I definitely knew that before. So I want to say that uh, Henry Silva plays influence in this. Henry Silva is um, a character actor. He's got that very. They they basically just took his face and then just added a little extra to his face. His face already kind of looks like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> he played. Um, it's kind of problematic, but he played the Chinese assassin and Manchurian candidate that oh, uh, he, uh, Frank Sinatra has a kung fu fight with. Okay. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is in a non-speaking role. She's like yeah. the one female uh, crime boss at the table. Oh, okay. <sighs> I was going to ask you who she played. Yeah. Um. And I want to praise. Um, Oh, I want to praise praise, uh, Glenn Headley, who is probably playing a mom on some ABC sitcom now, but she was Mm -hmm. great in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and then she was in this, and like, I can't think of too much else that she did. Oh, really? She's just one of those, you know, like talented comedic actresses Mm -hmm. who we just couldn't find a spot for. Okay, sure. That's too bad. A real um, Julie Haggerty. Okay. If you will. All right. Um, and also, <laughs> the guy that plays Flattop, uh, yeah. William Forsyth, another character actor who's been in a lot of stuff, plays like a lot I of bad guys. I feel like I know that name. And when I first saw the film, mm-hmm. I, um, I I hated him. Okay. But I think I realized that it's because he's so good. Yeah. Like, he's just so gross and weird. And he's, he is. He's a really effective henchman. A lot of the other henchmen are, are dummies, and like he's good, and he's cruel, and he's beating up news vendors left and right. Who's the Mom guy? Mom and pop, with... diner owners. And yes. <laughs> you can just see him like shaking down some nuns yes. you know, for the offering money. Who's the other character who's always with him who has like the weird laugh? Itchy. Itchy. Yeah. Yeah, he's played by Ed Ross, another, okay. uh, another character actor. Yeah. 
Last uh, thoughts about lots of character actors Tracy? in all these films. Tracy. Yeah, I know. I've got a thought. Yeah. It's coming. What's your thought? Oh, it's gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, he's a horrible boyfriend. I just have to say. And this that's that's one other comment I want to put yeah, in. Yeah, the long suffering female romantic interest yeah. is uh, a factor in these stories for yeah. real. And I feel bad for Tess and like she goes home and she kind of like leaves the city for a while and like it's like I can't deal with it. Most of these films take place in New York City too, at least part of them. Um and uh yeah, she like She's not sure she wants to be with him, but at the end, after she gets kidnapped, or maybe before she gets kidnapped, she decides she wants to be with him. And, and she's not like the other girls. No. You're going to see that quite a bit in these films. Yes, too. exactly. She can throw a baseball. I know. Into a trash can. Which isn't like, she threw his baseball away? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think he was actually kind of mad bitch. about it, too. <laughs> like He was like, why did you do that? Um, but like at the very end of the film... He, I guess he's not good with words or something all of a sudden, Tracy. And like, it's funny. Uh, he like throws her the ring. He is good at murdering people. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, he throws her the ring. Yeah. How romantic. It's so romantic. <laughs> oh. Um, we're not going to keep track of these at all, but if you had to give it a rating, what would you rate it? Um, out of five, I think I'd give it a three. I give it'd it. would be nice. That is being nice. Yeah. I'd give it two eat lead Tracys written <laughs> on the wall <laughs> in bullet holes. Yes. At the beginning of the film. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a <laughs> way back on the old late night with David Letterman. There was a they did a sketch where Biff, you know, the stage manager Biff uh-huh. was. Uh, he was he became a superhero. Uh, he became a Dick Tracy type character. Okay, like, sure. He was busting people, and they're like, "Well, I got my rights." And he's like, "No, you don't. I'm cleaning up this town." <laughs> just just <laughs> mow everybody down with his uh, Tommy gun. So, anyway, oh, accurate. Oh, Biff. <laughs> Well, let's move on from there to The Rocketeer, which right. is kind of a standout in this because it is not technically from that era. It was created uh, in, in 1982 yeah. um, to evoke the feeling of the Saturday matinee an heroes. An homage. It is an will. homage. Yes. That's right. Uh, it was created by uh, Dan Stevens, or excuse me, Dave Stevens. Not Dan Stevens of, uh, what's it called? Right. <laughs> Legion. Yes, thank you, yeah. Legion and Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yes. He's been called Dave before. I yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was with Pacific Comics, uh, and okay. he is, uh, well, well, you tell me, what happens in this film? Um, well, the Rocketeer is a pilot. He's kind of a, uh, like a... a Stunt show pilot? Uh, yeah. What Don't is, worry, folks. It's all part of the show. What What did you call it again? A stunt pilot. A stunt pilot. Yeah, and he's kind of a hot shot, um, and he has a girlfriend who was played by Jennifer Connelly, um, and uh, he's got a mentor who also works at the airfield, and they live together. So I don't really know exactly what they're played living by Alan Arkin. 
Yeah, played by Alan Arkin. So I, I kind and I kind of feel like Alan Arkin's like his mentor. So, but it, he's not his real dad. So You're not my real dad. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they have that kind of relationship almost. Um, and yeah, uh, most of the um, the film takes place either at um, the. I mean, would you call it an airport? Airfield. Airfield. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this is like. the busiest airfield in Southern California. Right. Wine country or whatever. Okay. And then there's. Because <laughs> everything happens on this stupid I, airfield. I know. And then there's like this cafe that's in the very on the end, airfield. they go to the observatory in LA. Yes. <laughs> for the finale. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, and uh, <laughs> there, there are these mobsters that um, while he is. Uh, testing uh, a plane that they're going to use for a show and they worked very hard on this plane like a race yeah um <coughs> there are a couple of mobsters that are chasing each other and shooting at each other um one of whom max Gredenchik, yes plays rom on ds9 yes uh and they they shoot at his plane because it's like they don't want anybody they don't want any witnesses that sort of thing um and uh is Wrong. that what it is? I think so. <laughs> Why are they Although flying over a police chase in the first place? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, Rom has stolen something, and enough. he doesn't even good know enough. what it is. Yeah. Um, and he hides it in a plane. Um, as you do. As you do. And then he, like, his car explodes. Well, um, later... Uh, what is the Rocketeer's name again? I don't even remember. Cliff Secord. Thank you. Cliff Secord. Cliff gets into this plane where um, Max Kredenchek has hidden uh, this thing. And he so he finds it, uh, and along with Alan Arkin's character, and uh, they decide they're going to test it out. It looks like a rocket of some kind. So they get this statue that's somewhere on the airfield, and they attach the pack to it and like they do a test and its head kind of gets like melted off. So um, they're going to do some tests. They're going to change some things. Alan Arkin's going to improve it and create a helmet and everything. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Cliff is maybe going to fly it. But Alan Arkin thinks it's too dangerous. Well, what happens is Cliff is late for the actual air show. Um, he was going to fly a certain plane, but it had already taken off. And he's like, hey, who's flying the plane? And it's one of the other guys at the airfield. He didn't want Cliff to get fired or get in trouble. And he's dressed as a clown because that's the thing that happens sometimes at these air shows. Yeah, for wing walkers. Yes. And Do you know that Nick Fury got his start in a flying circus? Before really? Before he was a government agent? Yeah. That's crazy. He was a wing walker. So imagine Nicholas Fury... I guess this is after World War II and he's he lost an eye. Right. Uh, with a red nose and a, and a funny wig on. <laughs> Walking on the window of a plane, yeah. So so then, like, he, he gets in trouble somehow. This guy is dressed as a clown. So then Cliff, like, grabs the pack, puts the helmet on, and goes and saves him. And people are like, oh, my God. Who, who is that? Yeah. And... The guy who owns the airfield, they're like, you have to give us a better name. I can't remember the name he gave them at first. And then he came up with Rocketeer. The Rocket Who? Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Yeah. And then he's killed by a man 
with giant hands. Yes. <laughs> Played by Tiny Ron. Yeah, exactly. Lothar. Yeah. Again, all these movies are connected. I know. They must have made this and thought, hey, weird plastic faces worked I, for Dick Tracy. I know, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Now, this is not a touchstone picture. This is a Walt Disney picture. This was good enough yes. to be Walt to have Disney the Walt specific. Disney name on yes. it. And it was funny because, hey, no no hate for Dan. Uh, Dan. Let's call him Dan Stevens. No hate for Dan Stevens. <laughs> Guy saw an opportunity and he left Down Abbey. Yeah. No hate for Dave Stevens. Uh, he sold this thing. The year after he created it, mm-hmm. he got some interest. I think he sold it to the guy who did uh, some of the Friday the 13th movies. Okay, sure. I can't remember his name, but he's a producer. And his idea was, okay, I see what we got here. Why don't we do like a low budget, black and white throwback kind of piece? And that was what they were kicking around for a while, and that didn't end up happening. And then he um, basically got the rights back or gave the writers that did end up doing it, Danny Bilson and Paul Demo as uh, like a just an open sort of option on it. Just mm-hmm. do whatever you want. And eventually they right. got it to Disney in the mid 80s. Right. And then it took the rest of this time just to get it made because wow. Disney wasn't happy with it. Michael Eisner loved to get specifically involved in a lot of the uh, the things like, like the um, projects that Disney was doing. Sure. And so they wanted to have it one way and then it was another way. And they the writers were like hired and fired three times in a row. Oh, great. And they, yeah, and nobody was happy with, you know, the, the end result. Okay. Uh, which was about $45 million on a $40 million budget. So right. So this was not a success. No. The director, Joe Johnston, who would go on to success uh, and other stuff, he basically remade this movie as Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. <laughs> under the Marvel banner. Yes. But notice that he hasn't directed any movies for Marvel since. Yes. Uh, he got them to hire Billy Campbell, who was unknown then. Mm-hmm. And really unknown now. Yeah. Uh, he pretty much did this, and that mm. was more or less yeah. it. Yeah, a couple soap operas. Yeah. He's the Outrageous O'Connor on okay. Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. As I will always point out. Yes. That's about it. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, talent in this film. Mm-hmm. Paul Sorvino is also in this film. Yes. Every show we should just make a graph for all the movies we talk about and all the connections between them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they definitely exist. Yes. Uh, Terry O'Quinn appears as yes. Howard Hughes, because Howard Hughes was- Yes. Pre Scorsese considered to be a real genius and just forget about those jars full of pee. Right. Um, you mentioned Jennifer Connolly, who yes. is still bad. <laughs> I think Jennifer Connolly has grown by leaps and bounds. I think so too. As an actress, but yes. still bad at this point. She's not great. Not no. great. Uh, there are two big reasons why that she gets cast in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Timothy Dalton uh, is yes. in this and is great and has never been fully appreciated and has I agree. always uh, underrated. Either made the wrong choices or been forced to, and he plays Neville Sinclair. A clear Errol Flynn analog, yes. who is not just a Nazi agent; like he's speaking German with a German accent. I know. So somehow he's like a German sleeper agent who was yes. born under the reign of the Kaiser and right. then sent to America yes. to infiltrate America by becoming one of the most famous film stars of all time. Yes, this is a long con. It is a long con, uh, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> and it's almost kind of insulting for Errol Flynn because Errol Flynn was, you know, he was a he was a patriot. He yes. was. He was a. Uh, he, he was actually denied. He, he tried to enlist, and was denied and 4F'd because 
uh, I think he had like active malaria and he had had a collapsed lung at one point and oh several uh, unspecified STDs. So wow. he was said, no, you cannot be in the army. But he did <laughs> like a lot of the other stars at the time and, you know, did the war bond thing. And so right. to recast him as a Nazi sympathizer. Is I know. <laughs> it's really weird. It is weird. And I don't know who added that, but it was all to facilitate um, Jenny Blake's um, role, who as... A girl who's, you know, not like the other girls and has a real boring name. They at least tried to do something with her, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. At the beginning of the story, she's kind of fed up with... She's not Cliff's true heart. Yeah. She's fed up with Cliff. And she's kind of ready to move on. Yes. And also is... A bit of a star effort because uh, (laughs) uh, Neville Sinclair shows interest in her. But over the course of the story, she... You know, figures out what's going on mm-hmm. um, and kind of plays Sinclair as well and kind of realizes that, that I don't know what she's going to do after this. Right. Can she still be an actress? Right. The lead actor of the picture she was involved in died in a gigantic blimp accident that destroyed the Hollywood land sign. I know. Does she have a career anymore? Right. Right. But she realizes that, you know, the things that she thought were were important aren't quite as important. And yes. Now she's going to have babies. Right, that, know, took right? that took a turn. That took a turn. Yeah. Anyway. Um, there is a club in this movie as well. Uh, Neville Sinclair takes Jenny there. Yeah, but owned um, by Eddie Valentine, played by Paul Sorvino. Yes. Who's a gangster. Yes, but, but he's a an patriot. American. That's right. <laughs> I sell drugs to, to black people because they're animals. It's from Godfather. Uh, and I run the rackets and the, and the girls. But I'll tell you one thing I'm not. And that's a fascist stooge. Yeah, I know, right? Give me that Tommy gun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> USA. USA. <laughs> and I can't remember. The singer was somebody well Melora known. Melora Hardin. Yeah. Uh, Jan from The Office. Yes. That's She's another one who is, you know, she's beautiful. She's uh, really funny and she can do drama. And she just never really, uh, there's probably Clicked. some big role that I'm forgetting, but she's yeah. never really broke out. Yeah. But, but she gets to lip sync in this. Yes, she does. <laughs> um. Like, the Rocketeer is always sticking gum on his plane, so they stick gum on his rocket pack. Who Weird. owns Beeman's gum? Is Beeman still yeah, a I brand? <laughs> because I don't somebody, know. somebody wanted to force Beeman's gum into every scene in this film. I know. I know. Um, did we even get to the end of the plot? Um, anyway, Neville, Neville Sinclair, Sinclair is a Nazi. Wants the, the the, rocket. He, he wants the rocket invented by Howard Hughes so yes. he can make Nazi rocket troopers. Yes. It's all basically just a spin on like the old Commander Cody s- serials or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then Cliff Secord uh, foils his plot by never firing a shot, really, yes. running into a lot of things. Almost getting stabbed by a map compass. Yes. Which led to my great ad lib. No, have some compassion. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, which you laugh at now because we're on air, but you just deaded me. Sorry. <laughs> when we were watching the film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and like uh, Neville Sinclair and like his huge henchman. What, what was his name? Lothar. Even? Yeah. Um get killed from the blimp and everything and they somehow do they they jump onto a plane how do they get rescued again there's a they're running on the top of the thing and then yes. howard hughes flies in with his experimental plane right and picks them up right because that's a thing yeah and the whole thing looks like two cents <laughs> you know it just doesn't it looks super cheap it doesn't look all that great yeah we'll get to this in the phantom as well there was a th- now it's all cgi but there was a thing back then where it's like 
this is a crap picture with a low budget, but we are going to make a man hang from a plane. We're going to do that. Yeah. And if we do that, people will shit themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> will we? I know. We did not. No. Oh, I should have said that. Um, I can't remember how much it was made for, but Dick Tracy made like about $130 million, I think, at the U.S. box okay. office, which, you know, 1990 bucks. That's a lot of money. It's not bad yeah, at all. But yeah. no sequel. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we've got <clears throat> kind of evolving out of the worthless girlfriend thing, but not much. Right. We've got a goofy dude who's unassuming. Yes. Unlike the other characters that we're going to talk about, no real agenda to fight crime is kind of thrown no. into it. Yeah. Um, kind of becomes a hero. And I never read the comic, but presumably he, you know, finds more of a purpose in, in heroism right. rather than just... Well, I'm just caught up in this. I'm a good guy. He seems like kind of a loser. Yeah. You know, does. I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but he, like his parents are dead. I think his dad was a flying ace or whatever. And so everybody in the town seems to kind of take care of him. Yes. But they never really like steer into that too much. No. Because, I don't know, you don't want a real depressing loser to be the hero the of your hero? Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which would have been interesting. Right. But, uh, yeah, they didn't want to go down that road. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I remember seeing this and liking this a lot as a as a young kid. Yeah. But, you know, it was before I looked at it with like discerning eyes and stuff like that and like Oh, those discerning eyes. I know. It was letting me down. But it just it's not as good as I remembered it being. Um and uh I I do like that Jenny is not helpless and she like you know, she hits Nettles and Claire in the head and stuff like that after he, he kind of kidnaps her <laughs> he absolutely kidnaps yeah her. um but then he puts his his talent is acting yes and convincing people yes so he basically like he kind of threatens but kind of he bullies you know eddie valentine this this uh crime boss yes um eddie valentine mm-hmm. isn't that bob hoskins character from roger rabbit I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, Roger Rabbit is another film that could maybe fit into to it's this. It's a pulp thing. Okay. And it was never, it was a book. It wasn't ever a, a comic book. strip or whatever. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I guess. Um, if we're doing The Rocketeer. Uh, and so, yeah. So he like browbeats some gangsters who could probably just shoot him. He kidnaps a woman, but yes. then like flips it into, I'm trying to help you. And and uh, you just, oh, your beauty is, you know, that eyebrow has got me. <laughs> And so, yeah, I just like, you know, that's that's his strength. Like, that's yes. what he's, he's doing. Then he has a fist fight <laughs> with a rocket man at the end. But. Right. <laughs> with his German ninja commandos who come out of, we're in the middle of Los Angeles. I know. It's bad enough that this guy has inserted himself into the Hollywood machine for, I'm assuming, 20 years. Right. But why do that when you can have ninja Nazis appear out of I nowhere? know. <laughs> just do that. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um you're, you mean, you literally are like, what is happening? Why are there so many people all of a sudden? Yeah. So, Did the yeah. Matrix change everything as far as Kung Fu goes? Because I know we had Kung Fu before Maybe. that. But just, you know, all these, this, um, Dick Tracy, there's no fight choreography. You know, no. there's no, like, I feel like the Matrix and like John Woo, you know, right. before yeah. that. Really up the ante in terms of like if you're gonna have a Captain America movie, then you plot the action sequences like before anything else. Right. So Cap's gonna throw a shield, it's gonna bounce off a guy's head, 
he's going to kick a truck and that's going to knock a guy over. He's going right. to catch his shield, flip over another guy. The bullets are going to ricochet, hit something else. Yes. He's going to pick up a table leg mm-hmm. or he's going to throw a knife into a guy's hand. Right. Kick a guy off a ship. Like yes. all that stuff is planned. And this is just Cliff Secord like, don't worry, I got this. Flies in. All right, let her go. Take off the rocket pack. Okay. I know. <laughs> There's like no fight. There's like nothing. It's I know. Just... It's, it's it really of... makes the compass scene stand out a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> it really makes it very, very pivotal. Jeez. And very ripe for parody. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, rate it. <laughs> um, hmm. I feel like I want to give this one a three also, but... Um, yeah, I'll give this one a three also. I will also give this one a two. Two okay. wads of chewing gum. Oh, wow. Is okay. that not great films? That's a, that's a good way of... Is that not great films? Yeah, I know. Let's move on to 1994's The Shadow. Yes. Now, here comes that weird story about the shadow, and I'm going to get this wrong. Okay. But there was a detective story magazine magazine. Sure. <laughs> it was called Detective Story Magazine. This is in, like, the very early 30s. And they they had these hard-boiled tales. You know, because Dashiell Hammett was in the 20s and stuff like that. It was all this, like, pre-war mm-hmm. or, like, interwar period stuff, you know, Gunsels and dames and private dicks and that sort of thing. Sure. And so they, you know, ran those kind of stories, but they were flagging and they hired, um, like, an advertising agency. Okay. To come up with a character that could help bolster their sales. Okay. And so they came up with this character, the Shadow. Okay. Who was basically only like the narrator, like he was like the Rod Serling of these detective stories. Okay. So they'd be like, you know, you want to know about crime? I'll tell you about crime. Right. Picture a man. Eddie Pesky, you know, he was a small time hood or whatever. Right. And the end of it was always the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Sure. Who knows what evil looks in the minds of men? The shadow knows that kind of thing. Okay, sure. Um, and the character went on to be like a radio show and became so popular, it killed the magazine. Because <laughs> people wow. wouldn't go to the newsstand and go, give me that detective story magazine. They go, give me that shadow magazine. And yeah. like, there is no shadow. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not real. Right. So they had to like backform all of this into a character that could then go into a magazine wow. called The Shadow. And now that he has become an active character, they have to come up with a design. So they come up with this design. He's, you know, he's got the hat. He's got the scarf and yes. everything. And um, an author named Walter B. Gibson wrote the first um, stories about the shadow. Okay. Um, and the, so the shadow is it kind of conflicts because like Superman, mm-hmm. you know, kryptonite was invented for the radio show. Right. Perry White was invented for the radio show. Sure. Like all this stuff. A lot of his origin came from the radio show and got grafted onto his pulp origin. Sure. So he's originally Kent Allard. Okay. Um, a World War One like f- flying ace, sure. Who explores the Orient and learns the secrets of the Orient, uh-huh. ancient Chinese secret, huh? Right. And at first he comes back and he so he fights crime as the shadow, but at first he is he finds this playboy named Lamont Cranston and steals his identity. Okay. Because it g- affords him the opportunity to move about. It's really complicated. So Lamont, okay. Lamont Cranston is like a playboy 
who leaves the country often. So when he's out of the country, uh-huh. Kent Ellard pretends to be Lamont Mark Cranston. Cranston. And when Cranston finds Weird. out, he basically threatens Cranston. He's like, you're going to let me keep doing this or I'm going to, I don't know, tell people you're a commie or something like that. Okay. And later on, that kind of got dropped and he is just Lamont Cranston. Okay. Weird. Yeah. So he's a billionaire. Play- Stop me if you've heard this one. He's a billionaire playboy. Yep. Who goes out at night yep. and scares criminals. Yep. Heard that? Yes, I yeah. have. Yeah. Zorro, exactly. <laughs> right. Zorro. Right. Mm-hmm. Not Batman at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what happens specifically in this dumb movie? <laughs> well, so in this movie, um, it's not really clear how he ended up in Tibet. or It is. is or it? it's not. Cause he, he, so I haven't read 90 years of shadow stories, right. but I think a lot of this is embellished for the film. Okay. But it's not clear. I think at some point in the shadow's history, it's said that he like he crashes, like his plane crashes in the east. Sure. Um, it's a real Doctor Strange situation. Uh-huh. Ooh, something else I can steal. Right. Um, and so that's how he gets there. But the movie has it that, you know, he there's a reason that he knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men is because he was evil. evil. Yeah. And so like at the beginning, uh, he's like controlling this opium ring. Yeah. So he's a white Fu Manchu basically. Yes. He's got the long fingernails. He's kind of weird. He's Howard Hughes. Yeah. Long fingernails. Yeah. It's all connect. Graf. Yeah. He's feeding a dog some weird food (laughs) on the table. Um, And they bring... (laughs) Details. I know. They bring this guy in like his henchmen do and uh, he wants to kill him for some reason. I didn't really catch why. Um, but this guy, like, um, threatens to kill this other guy who um, is, uh, like, Lamont Cranston's like, you've been a really great friend. You're like a father to me. And he's like, thank you. Oh, and his then name he... is Yinko. He's not Lamont Cranston. Oh, well. He's Yinko. Yinko. Uh, and then he says to the other guys, shoot through him. Yes. And so... Like my business mentor, Jack Welch, would say. Right. Shoot through him. (laughs) Yeah. So he shoots through them. Um, He gets kidnapped uh, by, well. The the, the minions of the ancient one. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And like the the ancient one or whatever, he's all like, I'm going to train you and blah, blah, blah. I am a young boy or whatever. That means I'm old. Right. <laughs> and he's kind of mysterious and he like can teleport himself and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he has the ability to cloud the minds of men. Yes. And he is going to impart that ability to the shadow. Yes. Uh, in exchange for the shadow renouncing his evil ways. Yes. And becoming the shadow. Yeah. And then it goes to seven years later in New York. Yes. That's, that's how the movie starts. Uh, and he is beating up on some some gangsters. One in particular who has committed murder. He's like, you're going to turn yourself in. And he doesn't really show himself. He's kind of a shadow, if you will. Cement overshoes is yes. something else that goes on the uh, on the graph. Yes. Now i got to exactly. make this graph. I know. Hurry, let's make this show shorter so I have less to Okay. To. Um, so he does Where that. Where does Margot Lane come in? Margot Lane comes in when they go. T- he goes to the club in this movie. Where there is another torch singer singing. Yes. Um, and he's meeting his uncle, who is the chief of police. Yes. That's uh, from the comics. Yeah. And oh, I should mention, the shadow also radio plays um, 
played by Orson Welles for a while. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Um, a movie or two, and then has had a long, was a strip, uh, but had a long comics publication. And they're sure. still making Dynamite, or somebody's got the Shadow license now. Sure. Uh, so he sees Margot Lane, and he asks his uncle, who is that? You know, And he, like... Uh, orders wine for her, and he goes over and introduces himself. Oh, I know a little German. Yeah. Oh, wrong movie. Yeah. She's a socialite and daughter of Ian McKellen. Yes. (laughs) Gandalf is an atomic scientist. Yes, exactly. Who doesn't know the difference between red and green. No, because he's colorblind. But they never really say colorblind. They just make him seem like he forgets. He's dotty or something like that. (laughs) I I know. We hadn't discovered what colorblindness was. Right. I know. And he he also works with... um, uh, oh gosh, help me out. Mo? Yeah. The cab driver? No, not Mo. The cab cab driver is cab Peter Boyle. Cab driver on the graph. Um, no, Ian McKellen, a scientist, works with another scientist, played by. Um, help me out. Um, I can't think of his name. Why can't I think of his name? I don't know. Tim Curry. There we oh, go. Oh right. Um, Claymore. Yes. Um, and Tim Curry is kind of, it's kind of evil. Um, so they go to the Museum of Natural Sciences. We go there for some reason and they've received this sarcophagus that is, uh, for Genghis Khan. Yes. And, um, the scientists or whatever say to the, uh, night guard, don't touch it or whatever, but it kind of opens and, um, the ancestor of Genghis Khan comes out. I can't remember his name exactly. Shiwan Khan. Yeah. Played by John Lone. And he's a really evil guy. John Lone, the guy who played... We need a Chinese guy for this. John Lone. Yeah. Uh, the next film, we need a Japanese guy, and we'll get to that guy in a second. Right. Yeah. Um, he makes uh, the security guard kill, kill himself, himself. Played by Ethan Phillips. Neelix of Voyager fame. Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of Star Trek people in these films. Rock show. Uh, I know. And uh, so then he is loose and he kind of wreaks havoc on the city. And the thing is, is that he so we know that the shadow has the power to cloud the minds of men, which basically translates to him. He can make himself invisible. This movie just he just literally becomes invisible, I guess. But it's more like it's supposed to be he sort of edits himself out of like people's minds so they can't remember, think of him which yeah. is something that was invented for the radio show because they had to come up with a reason why so this is something that like, you talked about batman before and we talked about his versatility at, in depiction mm-hmm. but his main thing is supposed to be he <laughs> he hangs people from his plane and breaks their necks yeah he scares people yes that's why he's effective mm-hmm. guy in a bat suit not that scary guy in a bat suit at night and, you know, talking like this, swear to me, like, <laughs> right, scary. Yes. And so the shadow scares people. Yes. The fact that this evil lurks within the hearts of men means that they are, and they didn't come up with this, this was Finger or Bob Kane, are cowardly and superstitious lot. And so mm-hmm. he preys upon that. Yes. And basically like, you know, I th- he really killed anybody with his twin 45s or whatever in the radio show. He basically like, you know, forced people to kill themselves like because they right. were so scared. Yeah. Uh, or have a heart attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he can cloud people's minds. He can make Alec Baldwin's face look like William Baldwin's face. <laughs> it's weird. 
But uh, Shimon Khan is like leveled up. He's got extra juice. You yes. know, he's got telekinesis and he can yes. brainwash people and he can do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, he brainwashes this cabbie, also played by another character actor. I don't know his name, but um, he he looks familiar to me. Um, but he was all like, you need gas. Cause he was like upset, but he like was writing down where he dropped him off. He's like, you're, you're tracking my location. And, um, so he, he like hypnotizes him to say that he needs gas. And then he like drives the car into a gas truck and explodes. Yeah. So. I need gas. Yeah. 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 Music um, by Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Point. All of these have sweeping themes. Except the Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I get know. there. <laughs> The fa- oh, the Phantom. Oh, the Phantom. Anyway, um, yeah, wrap it up. What's the plot here? Um, Shuan Khan has come to New York to what? What can he only do in America? Um, he is go- trying to take over the world, something that Genghis Khan almost did but did not quite totally do. And so he is going to do that from a place of power in uh, New York City. And he has disappeared an entire hotel building. <laughs> Um, and that's part it's of his plot. real. Yeah. <laughs> and he has all of these, uh, minions that are dressed up as like, you know, like ancient Chinese soldiers. <laughs> well, so he's owning it. Yeah, I know. Um, and at one point he dresses up in a suit like, um, Lamont Claymore, like, and Lamont's like, oh, nice tie. It looks like probably the exact same tie that he got had it from Brooks Brothers. Right. So, um, yeah, he's not always in traditional dress, but most of the time he is. So, um, yeah, he's just, he's trying to take over the world. He's like pinky in the braining it. So, um, uh, he feels like he can do that from New York City. Um, and, uh. Did you say atomic bomb yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, he's going to <laughs> explode the, uh, the city to from to make it. Atomic he invents bomb. an atomic bomb. Yes, <laughs> before anybody else. Before does. so, like before we before the II. Manhattan Project. Yes, uh, it's an imploding, exploding bomb. Yeah, or an atomic bomb. Oh, I like that. What's yes. in your wallet? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's catchy. Yeah, uh, James Hong is in this. Yes. Yes. <sighs> um, what else? That's it. That's more or less. So it. he's got to defeat the the most dangerous heavy yes. of all, of them all, Tim Curry, right? And in doing so, vanquish Shiwan Khan, reclaim from Shiwan Khan the dagger of flip flop or oh, whatever, gosh. yeah, which is this this MacGuffin, yes, uh, that sort of represents control over it. Represents you know having Mastery. your telepathic shit together basically, yes. and then they rip off. In an homage, I'm assuming to Orson Welles, they rip off the finale of uh, Lady from Shanghai uh, with a mirror sequence. That's true, they do. Yeah, and lit- and literally use the same shots, like they do. You know, the superimposing the face over yes. the couple several mirrors. Yes. And then John Lone is just going, "Oh no! Oh oh! <laughs> so much glass!" Yes. And yes. then he lobotomizes. John Lone. I thought I, that was a good twist. I know. He's killed yeah. so many people in this movie. Yeah. Leaves that guy alive. I know. And the guy's like, oh, you only lost a part of your brain. It's not important <laughs> unless you believe in telepathy. telepathy. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is not, though. <laughs> no. And like Margot Lane supposedly hears voices, too. Oh, yeah. That's, Th- that's kind of dropped. 
Well, it's like. she's a, it's like Leia having Jedi powers. You know, yeah. they, they give her like a latent telepathy, yes. which is not that's their invention, which is fine. Right. But it kind of explains why, because you never figure out why Margot Lane and Mar- and Lamont Cranston work together. Right. Um, just because you need a romantic interest. And it never really goes. It's not like they're lovers or anything. I mean, you kind of assume they are. But, right. So right. to give her some reason to be like, you you're my protege, Levin. You know, like right, <laughs> some, right. some reason why uh, he sticks around with her. I, I, I think it works. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Dick Tracy is a mess. Mm-hmm. There are entire parts of it where they reuse shots. Yes. I think the montages were always planned, but I think the montages end up doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the story where yes. we don't know where to go. Montage. Right. Rocketeer is pretty clean. It's just boring. But Disney yeah. would not deliver uh, a movie that didn't have at least a comprehensible plot. This, to me, smacks of there are a lot of things we wanted to do and we couldn't pull them off necessarily. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things in here that there's some things that look really great and there's some things that look like crap. Yes. And one of the things that's great that maybe a studio would have pushed back on because you want to have your star on screen is they do a lot of like... Um, animated shadow it's like clearly yes. animation but like they'll show like the shadow moving around by showing him on the wall he's yes. a shadow instead of a, just a guy in a hat like right. walking around right and that like that's an inter- interesting touch that's kind of cool a lot of the dialogue is just kind of dumb not great mm-hmm. poor jonathan winters i don't know why he's in this film like his scenes are just dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like just somebody for alec baldwin to talk to yes you never get a sense of Okay, neat pitch. Guy goes native, basically, uh, and really turns to the dark side, and now he's, like, back and trying to atone for it. Right. But they just never... Alec Baldwin just kind of wanders around and just kind of grimaces through a lot of his shadow scenes, and you never understand, like, why he's doing it. He never seems that that sinister. They have, like, a weird, you know, weird dream sequence where he's, like, struggling with, you know fire and like in his dark side or whatever he peels off his face and he's um the he's john lone yeah Yeah, character yeah and i just i I don't know i it never seals the deal for me yeah um i i feel like it's it's a little disappointing also you would shoot your feet off if you just blast you're you got concrete galoshes on and you you shoot shoot your your guns guns at it i know your feet would have holes in i agree (laughs) um so that that one scene when he first meets his uncle at the club and then his face goes into shadows and then he like is like doing the mind control thing like it's like shadow. a mesmerist type thing yeah but That's like cool. it was so cheesy i couldn't help but laugh That's the thing this movie like is it's solidly in the 90s you know yes. so it's like a 90s action movie aesthetic mm-hmm. if it had gone full cheese it might have made it but it keeps That's pulling true. back and trying to make him like cool and it's like He's not cool. No, he's not. <laughs> it's not cool. No. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there's it's, a lot of maniacal. It's not, yeah, they try to make him Batman, and I know he inspired Batman, but Batman has overtaken him. If yes. they did more of a period piece, plus Russell McKay, he's not a good director, right? Like we all not. love Blade Runner. Right. Not Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, the Blade? Ridley Scott's not a good director. Right? <laughs> uh, Highlander. Yes. Uh, and there are some very heavy touches of a director's hand in that film that kind of work out, but ultimately he's not good, right? Right. I mean, he doesn't hold this together. No. Um. Yeah. I, I guess I'd have to give this one 
I think I of rating of a, a two. That was a bit Ooh, less. you're going to two on this one. Yeah, I am. So that's funny because I'm going up to three. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to three shards of glass <laughs> in the frontal lobe. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that this is more realized. I think that this is, you know, this is something of a ca- uh, cash in. Um, it's very Batman-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just started with that. They got the theme. They got everything else. But I think it was more well realized. Okay. They right. just didn't I can see that. Pull. And again, you get into the problem of, do we want this? What's this guy's thing? Is he Kung Fu? Does he shoot people in the face? Right. Yes to both, but he does very little of it. Mm-hmm. How interesting is it to watch a guy talk somebody into killing themselves? Right. <laughs> it's just not like on the radio. Great. In a movie. I don't know. Maybe not so much. Right. Um, what is Penelope Ann Miller even doing here? Yeah, I know. She's a pretty face. Um, and not like the other girls. Right. And she Except has... All the girls have the Gibson girl pin curls, but otherwise, not like the other girls. And like she has gorgeous dresses and she always has like a different coat. Yeah. For like, like all over. And it's like, hey, weren't you like just over at. Doing science, it brings a lot of money in. I guess. Gandalf's you, loaded. Weren't you over just at Lamont's house and he let you like pick out a dress that his aunt wore or whatever? Like, did you just pull out one of her coats too? It's weird. Yeah, I guess so. It's weird. You have to have all um, men of distinction and taste had a you know a, a wardrobe full of women's clothes. Uh, I guess. And you're like, where'd this come from? Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't ask any questions. Yeah, I know, right? It's after six. What are we farmers? <laughs> Well, we've finally arrived. Yes, it is time to slam evil. Yes, Mika, Mm -hmm. with 1996, the The Phantom. Phantom. Yes. Do you want me to start? You can start. Let's just not talk about it. No, okay, we have to. (laughs) No choice. The Phantom. Yes. uh, Directed by Simon Winsor. Ask me what else he's. Ask me about my Simon Winsor. Uh, Ah, what about your Simon Winsor? Simon Winsor directed. D-A-R-Y-L. What is that? So he gets off, you know, he's fine. Okay. Other than that, we'll take it. Okay. Some some might say Quickly Down Under. I still don't understand people's okay. love of Quickly Down Under. I don't think it's that great. Um, And that's about it. All right. And then he directed The Phantom, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. All right. After that, he directed Crocodile Dundee in L.A. <laughs> okay. Which is the sure. third one? Yes, it's the third one. Okay. It's Crocodile Dundee 3. All right. So not particularly accomplished. No. And I think it shows. Yeah. I think it shows. Uh, the Phantom is a character created by Lee Falk in the 30s for a strip, for the Phantom comic strip. Sure. Uh, the Phantom did, of course, later on become a full-fledged comic book and what have you. And the Phantom is Kit Walker, the ghost who walks. Yes. He is a legacy hero. He is descended from Christopher Walker, who and they go through this in the movie basically. Yeah, they do. After insulting you for coming in late. Yeah, I know. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Uh, yeah. Who is a white guy? Go figure. Yeah. Was attacked by pirates. Right. And uh, he basically swears an oath to fight evil and piracy and corruption in all its forms. That means basically living on an island, a jungle island in Asia, right. which later gets changed. It gets moved to uh, Africa. Yeah, an unspecified or the Bengala or whatever it is, uh, African country. A lot of 
let's start the appropriation, yeah, <laughs> everyone. I know. Uh, a lot of people lived in Africa, but this white guy nailed it. I know. It's the Tom Cruise Last Samurai I situation. Know. It is. He did it the best. Yeah. And he is not, um, he didn't have any superpowers, really. Not really. He uses he his just... wits, his fighting ability. Yes. His also double 45s. And the ability to talk with the ghosts, uh, well, at least the ghost of his father. Yes. And then he has a skull ring. There, yeah. Yeah. Which can shoot a laser. I know. No, we're, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, but basically like a weird, you know, Africa is spiritual. Yes. This, is, this guy is the Toto uh, of yes. uh, <laughs> of superhero movies. Yes, he is. Uh, Want to tell us what happens specifically in The Phantom? Uh, well, we... Um, Produced by uh, Robert Evans. Oh, the name Robert Evans gets the, gets the Phantom made. Um, so we see these... Three guys and this one kid, and they're trying to get to this treasure. We don't really know what uh, they're uh, what they're after, or if they're good guys or bad guys. We're and we just... spend a good 16, 17 minutes with them. Yes, we do in this movie called The Phantom. Yeah, and and then they mention the uh, ghost who walks, and uh, they're like, "No, I'm not afraid of him because I." And you see that the one guy has like a skull. He punched scar. a skull into my face. Yeah, I know. But yeah. Like, so he's like, I, I, ki- I killed him. I don't know if he says that right away or not. But um, then the after they've looted this cave and this one guy got strangled by a skeleton somehow. That happens. Yeah. Um, then we finally see the phantom on his white horse with his pet wolf. Devil. Devil. Yes. Yeah. And he's chasing after these guys. Uh, and he does not look good. <laughs> no, he's like in a purple suit and he's got a black eye I, mask. Well, no, I mean, no, that the Fox design is awesome. And I should just say that Lee Falk, you know, other people wrote this character, drew the character and did stuff with it. But he continued to write and script for the character until his death in 1999 okay. and reportedly like was dictating new storylines and dialogue to his wife from like his deathbed in the hospital oh, like wow. tore off his oxygen oxygen mask to be like i think he's got to punch a skull into his face oh my gosh Lee, calm down yeah wow but uh yeah sorry continue um, oh no i no I'm, I'm gonna continue okay so this thing like was clearly at some point shot there's some beautiful locations this is clearly shot uh, so, some somewhat on location yes but there are many places that look like the garden center at a walmart yes and Almost all of the hero shots of him, Billy Zane, are that. So mm-hmm. it's like bright light, a couple ferns, and him in his goofy purple costume. Yes. He's not, is he supposed to scare people? He's not scary. I don't know. And I also want to know like where he got the materials for his purple costume. He invented Lycra. Yeah. This is 1939. I know. <laughs> and like purple Lycra. That's the that. real secret of the Dark Continent. Yeah, I know, Synthetic right? fabrics. Yes. Um. Yeah, so he like chases the guys away who were doing the treasure hunting and like they had tied the kid up in the back of the truck and they like drive it onto this rickety bridge again and like somehow he's able, he gets the kid and like they this, You were spending as much safety. time as the movie does. Yeah, I know. So let's just boop, 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 boop. Um, we go back to New York. We meet Diana Palmer who is... Not like all the other girls. And um, she's just been adventuring in Canada, of all places. Yeah, so, the wilds of Canada. Yeah, the wilds of Canada. The Yukon. The Yukon. Yeah, the Yukon, yes. 
Um, so not really clear as to what she did there, she but she's also an a explorer. society person. But yes. again, another high paying job, I guess. Her father is like a DA or something. I think it's. He's trying to come down on Xander. It's Drax. actually her uncle. Oh, that's right. It's and, not her parents. That's and, right. And he owns like a newspaper company. Oh, that no, yeah, you you got yeah. He yeah. wants to write a big story. Yes. On what uh, industrialist Xander Drax is up to. Yes. Do you want to do your little bit? Up to no good. Do you want to do your bit? What's my bit? It's a movie that has Quill and Drax in it. Yes. Okay. So. I noticed so right away Quill is like the adventuring bad guy that has a skull on his face. That's Quill. And and then Xander Drax is the Howard Hughes type guy who like in another couple of years or whatever would have been played by Carrie Elwes, but it was played by somebody else. I think Carrie Elwes was deep into Twister at this point. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think he was still playing good guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's a Guardians of the Galaxy-like connection there. I love your theory, mm-hmm. but Drax the Destroyer created in 1973, uh, Star-Lord created in 1976, yes. so it's impossible. So, so way past. Unless the guy that wrote this, who I'm scared to look up, but I did, <laughs> and it was Jeffrey Bohm. Who also wrote um, Last Crusade, the worst Indiana Jones movie? Oh boy! Uh, he wrote this Lost Boys, okay. and he wrote Lethal Weapon too, which is it's it's a romp. It's not as good as the, the first, first Lethal one? Weapon, but what is? Uh, yeah. So well, you've called this movie a boring Indiana Jones, which I think is actually it's, fairly it's, accurate. It's a totally nothing happens in this movie. I know, except a laser fight at the end. Yes, and. So anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, what's the original point? Uh, so it's not, as we all know, it's really Tango and Cash that has the Guardians of the Galaxy connection. Right, Not, right. yeah. So anyway, um, can I take over? Yes. Okay, so Xander Drax is basically like evil Howard Hughes. Yes, he is. Put that on the graph. Yes. And he loves industry and science, but he's really also into magic, <laughs> yeah. African magic. Yes. Because he wants to find these skulls. These three that skulls. That he heard about. Yep. Yes. And the Phantom is the worst protector of the jungle ever because he lets this guy get all three skulls. Yes, he does. Excellent work. Yeah. But in the meantime, he's kind of getting mixed up in all this stuff. And so he runs into Diana, who uh, is a college buddy of uh, Kit Walker's. Yes. But doesn't know he's the Phantom. Right. He is in a situation where he's trying to save her... Because they're on a boat. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yep. The boat is full of Pussy Galore. I mean, whatever the character's name uh, is. Uh, Captain Zeta Jones' character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is an aviatrix. Yes. Uh, and has like a flying circus just like Pussy Galore. Right. Nice rip there. And so she wants him. Uh, Christy Swanson's going to want him eventually. Right. Because uh, he's got that Billy Zane magic. Mm-hmm. He is easily overpowered by a bunch of drunk thugs. Yep. But his wolf always comes to save the day. Yes. And never tears anybody's throat out. But I guess no. this is PG, so. But should. And then he ditches. He's like, thanks, dog. And then he runs away. And the dog's like, what the hell, man? I know, right? <laughs> I guess. Why wouldn't these guys just shoot me? Yeah, I know. Nobody uses their guns well. He no. finally breaks out his guns at the end of this. Like, he's the rock in the rundown. And just ends up shooting swords out of people's hands. And it's like. Yes. You, these are murderers. I know. It's okay. I know. No court can bring them, them to justice. On this hidden island in in some unknown sea. I know. Nobody's going to miss these guys. The Sang Brotherhood, they're terrible people. Yes. There's a lot of rape uh, implications in this. I know. Nobody's going to care if you kill these guys. No. Nope. Shoot it out of their hands. 
And and there's this one part when he's in New York still, um, oh, where he we goes got to the New York. He like so, well, goes down li- an elevator shaft with the guns in his hands. But why are the guns in his hands? So that he we can see sparks. So he can slide somehow because his hands would get hurt on the elevator cable. Which, oh by the way, gosh. elevator cables covered in grease. Yeah, they're always shiny, pristine. Right. in the movies, but yeah. it's a lot of goo up there. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so he go. Do they? What happens in the elevator in Russian Doll? Do they try to climb out of it, or they're just in it? I guess they're they're just in it. There's this one lady who's like panicking and like lays on the floor uh, as the doors open. <laughs> right. And then like some of the other people kind of like get closer to the ground. Right. And then our two characters who die all the time are just so, kind of like. Meh. So they go to they go to New York because the other skull is in the Natural History Museum. Yes. Uh, on the graph, and yes. they um, he completely fails to stop Drax from getting that skull. Yes, he, uh, he grabs it himself, and then Drax is like, "I'll take that, thank you." He, I don't mind a hero that isn't totally superlative That's in terms of inefficient his fighting ability, but yeah. he just continually loses to guys with kerchiefs around their necks. I know, and so he doesn't get that skull. Treat Williams, who is I don't know if it's good. But I know what I like. He's having a lot of fun in this movie. Mm-hmm. Sticks the skulls together, and the skulls shoot a laser that points to yes. an island on a map. That how did the skulls know that? I magic know. is weird, huh? Yeah. What if he had united the skulls in the middle of an open field? Would the laser just shoot for miles and like hit a globe on a desk in a t- uh, and a, and a uh, <laughs> enterprising individuals <laughs> elementary school somewhere yeah i don't know it's a really good anyway question. good thing there's a map there they yeah. realized that this spot on the map is a secret island in the devil's vortex because yep. we didn't want to do bermuda triangle because that's it's, not african enough i guess it's more or less the same thing so they though. go to this same island idea. we have no idea where it is but whatever and right. the phantom jumps on their plane oh yeah there's this whole stupid chase through new york where we go to yes. a zoo for some reason yes no good reason yeah, there's no. a tiger that he can talk to bring him along Somehow. no he just can talk to tigers yeah just want to show us that yeah there's a cab driver character like peter boyle in the shadow that you think is going to stick around he doesn't he never comes back the shadow follows them by hanging on to the bottom part of their plane for hours yeah i know at least show him tie himself to the thing with his belt or something right so anyway yeah so they get to this island turns out that it's the set of pirates of the caribbean the ride <laughs> And living there is the saying brotherhood that we've heard so much about. Yes. And so uh, James Remar, uh, who plays uh, Quill, is pretends to be one of them to get their trust. It doesn't really work. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work. I mean, at- he has a tattoo, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Proval's blown away by a, <laughs> by a cannon. Yes. And at some point, the shadow just takes or the shadow, the Phantom. Phantom just takes pity on us and just jumps out and starts the fight. Yes. We all fight. Yeah. And he beats um, the guy who's, uh, oh, this is it. Um, Kerry uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa is the guy who's like, we need a Japanese guy. Sure. Get him. Uh, he plays, much like the Shadow, the descendant of the original Sang that founded the Brotherhood, yes. who's just a natural enemy of the Phantom, I guess. Yes. They have a lame fight where yes, he throws him to the sharks because yeah. God knows he can't kill him. Catherine Zeta-Jones has become good now. Uh, he puts her and uh, the other useless female lead into a submarine, which yep. is going to launch out. And then Treat Williams gets a third skull, which allows him to shoot a laser. Yep. Great. Pretty much. Got a laser. And then there are four skulls do mentioned else? by um, it's a laser. The, the head pirate guy before he died. And which never comes b- back, except it does, because the fourth skull is the ring, I guess. Yes, now, the Phantom's ring. 
if some phantoms, I like the idea, this idea of the, the legacy hero. He's white T'Challa, basically, right? Yes. T'Challa has what? A, a ring. Ring that he puts on? Yes. Right? Put that on the graph. Yep. Uh, and so my question is, the skulls are all ancient. They're from thousands of years ago. Yes. The ring must be two. But yes. if you're Patrick McGowan and you get stabbed to death by James Remar in a cave. Yes. And he takes your belt. Why how do you get that ring, ring back? Uh, yeah, good There's no way that the ring that whatever, this is the 21st phantom but, phantom, but whatever the phantom is, there's no way this is the same ring, right? How is that even possible? Unless he goes to such great lengths to get the belt back. Maybe if you're the, fa- you're the 18th phantom, let's say. Sure. And your dad fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Part of your mission to become the new phantom is, is to get go get his shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> we need all that shit. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, apparently... The ring shoots a laser, which counteracts the skull's laser. I know. We just needed so to end lame. this movie. This I know. movie just needed to end. I know. In the, the most lame way possible. the climax takes place in a dimly lit sub bay. I know. And that's it. And it's there's a so lot of Jules bad. Verne. The whole idea of a hollow island, like Lincoln Island or whatever. And the, even the little sub that they're in looks a lot like the Nautilus. Yeah. Um, there's one point where he takes Diana Palmer. This is early on in the movie to um his hideout which is a skull cave yes and this other like scientist guy starts smoking and he's like (laughs) his little like the the guy who's like his servant or whatever is like he's like there's no smoking in the skull cave Uh, no smoking in the skull cave (laughs) and i just lost it because do you know how ridiculous that sentence was that you just said yeah it's so ridiculous yep but no, they don't. They keep going. I know. It's They're like, like they, straight face. There's part. There's parts like Treat Williams knows what he's in. Mm-hmm. But there are other parts that are like deadly serious. Yes. And don't work at all. Yes. And they don't. You you had remarked on this too. I didn't even notice it just because I'm familiar with the character of the Phantom. And may I recommend uh, the Phantom 2040. Okay. It's the 22nd Phantom. Okay. And it takes place in 2040, so far away, but it was when the right. cartoon came out. Sure. And so it's this weird, the character designs are by Eric Kinnett, who did the Eon Flux. It's oh, like okay. Eon Flux meets the Phantom in like a cyberpunk universe. It's like hmm. Batman Beyond the Phantom. Okay. And it's really neat. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, but I was so familiar with the Phantom that I didn't, I didn't even notice that they sandbag his origin story. They the do. The whole time Patrick McGoon keeps showing up and you're like, yeah. What's going on here? Why is he seeing the And in the last five minutes of the movie, he's like, all right, Buffy, check this out. Um, so my dad was the Phantom and his dad was the Phantom. Right. And, and you're like, any time would have been a great time to give us any of this information. Towards the beginning of the film would have been an excellent time. Yeah. So I don't know why they did that. I don't know either. It's, it's bizarre to me because like I was watching like the beginning of the movie and yeah, they said 400 years later, but I was thinking he was a little kid. I was thinking, you know. He's a little kid. He, he was a little kid at the beginning of the movie. And then he has lived for 400 years. That's what I was thinking. But that's that that's the cool thing about the Phantom is that you're supposed to think that. I know. And James Remar's his whole claim to fame, he won't shut up about the fact that he killed the Phantom. Yes. But then later on, he meets other the same brotherhood. And they're like, we've all killed the Phantom, buddy. Right. And uh, the time doesn't work out unless the pirates are immortal. Clearly, they haven't all successfully killed the Phantom. But it's this it's like the Joker. Like every time, not now, but whenever the Joker used to pop up, he'd fight the Batman. Then he'd fall off a cliff or something. And Batman's like, 
I don't think he's really dead. We'll right. see if he comes back. Right. So he gets this like, you're never going to stop this guy. He always gets out of it. Mm-hmm. It's that, but it's a good guy. Right. You know, so yeah, I like the fact that he has this reputation for being immortal. And then in case he does actually get killed, you're like, no, I set his body on fire <laughs> right. and spread the ashes right. in my litter box. I know he's dead. And right. it's like, da-da, he's not dead. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, he's the ghost that walks. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that all makes sense. I just wish they the had. The movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish they had said that earlier. One skull. I give it one star as well. Skull. One skull? Okay. There's no stars in this. All right. I mean, Treat Williams. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. What did we learn? Uh, um, pulp, although popular in the comics, does not always um, transition into film successfully. Um, pulp the band? Yeah. Well, no. The the idea these pulp comics. Oh right. Um, right. And. I don't know. I would say that I think all of these have potential just for whatever reason. And I don't know if it was the time that they came out. Like maybe it was like the early to mid 90s. Like I'm not exactly sure why they weren't um, more successful or why they weren't uh, better films. Um, Maybe we've learned along the way how to structure a superhero film better yeah i think i think you're right and wrong at the same time okay because i do think the problem is and there were a lot of cooks they took something they you you option a character yes it's got 45 years of history Mm -hmm. you go what the hell do i do you probably deliver an ambitious but unfilmable script then it gets handed off to uh, corporate, you know, screenwriters mm-hmm. who go, well, let's just put some McDonald's hamburgers in it or something. Or you have a situation where a writer producer really wants his version and he's fighting with Disney because right. Disney's two out of three in, in this thing. Yes. And so he's, you know, fighting to get things made. People don't want to get things made. And this was a paramount, <laughs> paramount, always oh, such good movies. Um, right. Yeah, just a, just a mess. And mm-hmm. so I think it wasn't taking the material seriously because it's, who cares, you know, because it's pulp, right. mm-hmm. uh, which means, you know, it's printed on pulp, you know, bad quality paper, basically. Sure. Who cares? Right. But then you say, well, we refined the structure. Do we? Because Iron Man was basically written on the fly, like while they were shooting. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like when the Russos sit down and do a three hour movie, they're like, this is what's going to happen. We're going right. to follow this lady who looks like a a praying mantis and we're going to go over here and it's going to come out here, but that's going to cross with this character who is Tony Stark's driver <laughs> who right. used to be <laughs> like a hunky actor and right. they're, and it's all going to make sense and they take it super seriously. Right. But now comic movies aren't comic book movies anymore. They're just blockbusters. No, you're right. Like in the same way that you should want whatever your action, your Tom Cruise mission impossible thing to connect and make sense. We apply the same thing to comics, and I just don't think they did that. I just don't think they cared. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. This great stunt. The plane's going to crash. So what he does is, he could, in a controlled flight, brings it down to a very flat area that he, he's going to fly it above, and they're just going to get... Just land the plane! I know! Just land it! I know! A hydroplane... It has smooth pontoons on the bottom. Yes. You can land in a grassy field. Yes. No, it's careful. 
This plane can fly perfectly for a mile as a horse picks us up. I know. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's really lame. Slam evil. Yeah, I know. You got to slam evil. Yeah, right. Once upon a time, I had plenty of nothing, which was fine with me because I had rhythm, music, love, the sun, the stars, and the moon. Well, I don't know if we (laughs) did anything good or accomplished anything, but thank God. Can we say this? Thank God we made it to where we are now. I I think so. We're sitting here talking about the implications of the future of the franchise with the loss of actors and characters, and we've got... Finally, a Black Widow movie <laughs> coming. I know, and we've got a movie like Captain Marvel that's going to be, you know, the first female-led uh, and directed uh, Marvel movie. Yes, which is you know a huge step forward. And on the other side, we've got DC's finally answering the call—not Ghostbusters, but answering the call—to elevate their material and yes. create fun, you know, uh, but yet sort of uh, semi-serious, insightful works. And yes. so. <sighs> been a long road it has been a and long that's road. the third and last trek reference <laughs> but we made it yes we did thank you thank god yes and thank god the wide world had so many wonderful cultures that we could pirate in order to make <sighs> white people interesting wow i know right <laughs> these were all all the heroes were white guys um all of them had girlfriends or love interests that were Somewhat entangled with their plots and everything. And all of them, except Dick Tracy, stole something from the Eastern Hemisphere to be special. Yes. And Dick Tracy almost definitely persecuted immigrants. I mean, Big Boy Caprice, Italian, right? I know. He's an Italian guy. So yeah. he's he's still still happening. Yes. Sorry, old world. Yeah. You're going to take it in the rear for this. I know. <laughs> I got no segue. Follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at Just Enough Trope. And also, if you don't do, can I? Can we talk? Yeah. Can we talk? (laughs) If you don't get our show from a podcatcher, why? Yes. Leave us a comment. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to know. I'm not forcing you to do. We do listen however you want. But if you don't use a podcatcher, I'd be interested to know why. Mm -hmm. If you do. Or you're thinking about it, find us on that app of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I, my personally and myself, I am switching to Google Podcasts. Now, you're sitting down, so that's good. Yes. I'm giving up on Zoom. Oh, wow. That's, the, a big, that's a big deal. The software is unusable. Okay. And when the software doesn't work, you're screwed. Yeah. You're It'll great. work if I put the same, put all my music on it, and it can hold it. It's got 120 gigs. Right. And you never change a thing and you listen to your music forever, you're fine. But if you want to do podcasts like I like to do yes. and listen to our own sometimes, yes, it that's messed up. Okay. And so we're, we're out of business. Yeah. So I'm looking around for a podcatcher and I think I'm landing on Google, Google, Google Podcasts. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Very convenient. Yeah. So look for us there. Look for us on Stitcher. Another great choice. Yes. When you find us there, subscribe. Also, give us a review because we want to know how you think we're doing. Uh, we want to know why you're on that particular platform of choice right. for our demographics. And also give us a rating. It's really probably the most important thing mm-hmm. because that lets those services know we're doing a good job. We move up in the ranks and we can reach more people yes. and tell them about these horrible, horrible films. <laughs> and so to that end, I would like five cabby sidekicks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Just planes are real. Yep. Your character is rich. Yep. Get a plane. I know. Everybody has know. a cabbie that drives them around. I know. 
the spirit had ebony white, less said the better. Yes. Come on, man. I know. (laughs) Or a rocket sled or something. Like the Rocketeer. Yes. I don't think that he rides in a cab. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Yeah. I think he drives his own car around. But <laughs> Oh, whoa. I know. Cliff Secord has a car, everybody. I know, right? Oh, he hasn't sealed the deal with Jenny Blake yet. I know. The guy's got a whole car. I know. So anyway, <laughs> just give us five stars. <laughs> not five cars. Yes. Uh, we'll, be, 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 we'll be back next week. Uh, we had an idea for what we wanted to do. I'm not sure we're going to do it now. Okay. It right. got a little weird. Yeah. And if you want to know about more... Know more about that and my ongoing mental degeneration. Stop it. Follow us on those social media networks. But until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikanha. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs>